Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Fighting the Void. I, of course, am Eric or Ginger or Ginger Man Editor, however you like to do it. Uh, you can follow the podcast at Fighting Void and emails at fightingvoid at gmail.com. And of course, back after a little break is my wonderful co host, Crystal. I have no idea what I just did. <laughs> I don't know what, what's going on there. You might have to excuse Crystal a little bit. There's. I don't know what you did on a break, but clearly it was fun. Anyway. <laughs> I, I partied with the dwarves. Yeah. It, it was and we, well, boy, will we get there. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, it's been, we've been talking about doing this Hobbit debate for a little while now. In fact, it was one of our very first ideas for this <clears throat> podcast because one of us is very pro is very pro Hobbit, or at least has been. Another one has been very not pro Hobbit. <laughs> Take a wild guess as to which one is which. Crystal, show off your mug. <laughs> show off my smug. <laughs> yes, that's in fact that's probably the more appropriate one to show off. Yeah. <laughs> so um uh, now I'm gonna go ahead and preface the whole thing. And we're we're doing this largely because we've been We've done a few serious episodes in a row, so it's time to lighten it up a little bit and just talk about something that's kind of fun and, let's face it, doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. So that's why we're here. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and preface anything that I say. I love Tolkien. I love the books. I love The Hobbit. Fantastic. And actually, I'm going to go ahead and uh, throw a little bit of of my thoughts right away, and then I'll tr turn it over to Crystal. The uh, I am definitely the one that's that's not so pro. <laughs> put it that put put it that way. And I when I first watched them, now I, I'm, I'm going to be fair. Full disclosure here. Now when I first watched them, I honestly thought that I wasn't really judging it compared to the books. Like oh my gosh, they changed this, they changed that, yada yada yada. I wasn't letting that bother me too much rewatching them because honestly this is only the second time that i've watched i think any of the movies uh and i'm like no you know what i was i was letting that at least subconsciously uh affect my overall view of of the movies you know like the, just and there were a lot there were a lot of changes and it wasn't something where I was like, oh, I should have done that, I should have done that. But it, it annoyed me. So it sort of instantly set me to, it instantly put me in a place where it's like, okay, I'm already annoyed. So anything I don't like about this is going to upset me more than perhaps it would otherwise. Are there still lots of things I don't like about the movies? Yes. <laughs> As I was just getting into a little bit, uh, in a, we almost started the debate without going on air. Crystal <laughs> fortunately uh, reined me in and well, said, "Hey, hey, hey! Save, save the fire for later." <laughs> we we kind of did, and then I looked at the podcast and it's like, "Okay, Linder, we 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 have to actually have people listen in to this, not just <laughs> not just so, us." So now that we're uh, actually getting into it a little bit here, feel free to join us on the YouTube chat. We are we're already uh, joined by Lord Magma Fifteen there. Uh, yeah. Oh, you do. Yes. Okay. You'll, you'll, you'll oh, have to. Okay, dude. What's that? 
Lucas. Oh. We had for those of you who don't remember Sneaky or if you haven't seen it, we had Lucas on the immigration podcast, which was two weeks ago. Yes, yes, indeed. And <clears throat> excuse me. Hopefully, he'll be uh, coming back in the very near future for our follow-up episode. Yes. But uh, all right, so you can follow us there, or you can go ahead and hit us up on Twitter again. That's at Fighting Void on the Twitters. So, Crystal. Your initial thoughts, well, you know, okay. and, and feel free to roll into a general thing of why the why you think these movies are good, why why people should go and watch them. Okay, well, to preface this, and people prepare your tomatoes most likely. Unlike Ginger, I haven't read the books yet. Yes, I I know the horror. The, the, give give me a break. I just not it's horror. In fact, this may actually invalidate anything you say. <laughs> well, but um, yeah, so I haven't read really the books yet. I, I plan to, I just haven't gotten around to it yet. But um, so I'm going into the movies without any um, what's the word? Pre presuppositions, pre Precon no preconditioning, nothing. Yeah, yeah. So going into it, for, I didn't even want to watch the movies in the first place because I didn't think I liked them. Really, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my I, I my boss made me sit down and watch it, the first one, and and, and I watched the first one, and I watched the first one. It just, I, I I fell in love, dude. I, I fell in love with everything, but um, especially Richard Armitage. But that's uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> you are you were gonna play the card. I was. <laughs> Besides Armitage's. Wonderful performance in the movies. Um, there's just something about the Hobbit trilogy that has a, a certain magic to it for me whenever I, I see it, and it, and um, I don't know. It just there's something about it that that really just I it's it's the universe and it's the characters and and the atmosphere. It just a lot of the things for me. Just they just click together and really work, even though they definitely do have their flaws. And um, in this, I don't want to say second viewing because it, I, I've definitely seen them all more than twice. But but in this last rewatching re of them, I started really seeing more of where they fall, um, where they falter, and where they really do hit things well and on a high note. So um, maybe it's safe to say actually that. We sort of actually moved a little bit in each other's directions. We actually did, yeah. Yeah. We weren't supposed to do that, Ginger. We're supposed to be polar opposites. <laughs> well, I mean, we can play it up for the camera if you want. <laughs> <laughs> we, we could, we could, we could, we could pretend. Mm-hmm. Hardcore, yes. Hardcore, no. We can, we can do that. I mean, we can totally do that. And as we move on past the first movie, I, I will get more hardcore, no. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, and and the first movie I'm so much hardcore yes, and then the other ones are like, I'm still yes, but I can I can I. You can I see the no. <laughs> no, well to be honest, I've always I've always seen what I see now. It just I always ignored it because of like <gasps> habit. But but now that I'm out of the <laughs> but now that I'm out of the rose glasses, it's like okay, yeah, they're not they're not perfect, but I still love them. Okay, all right. So let's let, let's go 
Uh, first movie. All right. So, the unexpected journey. What 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 do we have? Uh, what 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 do you have to say about that one? That is, or should I lay out my critique first and then you can defend it? How do you want to roll here? I can go first. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> so with the first one, I'd say out of all three movies, the first one's the strongest one out of all of them, and I really agreed. Well, I found rewatching it. What I really loved about it is is the magic I found in it was the fact that it really felt like a story being told. And not just because, you know, they, they have in the beginning older Bilbo narrating and like writing his book and whatnot. It just, there's something about it where it actually feels like you're being told this story. And that's from the little bit I started reading of The Hobbit. That's how The Hobbit reads too, like a story being told to you. And that's the feeling I give the first one. And and, and actually, another thing, too, I found was, um, along with it feeling like a story being told, in the, like, um, in the flashbacks of, like, when you're looking at, like, when you're being told backstories, like, what happened with Erebor, what happened with, what was his name, Thror? Thorin's uh, father? Thor. Oh, um, oh, gosh, was it Thor or Thran? I get them confused. Uh, I'll be I'll, I'll be 100% honest. Thor, son of uh, either Thor. Point it. Point is, um, when they're doing flashbacks like that, it 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 almost has like a. It really feels like a fairy tale or like a um, idealized legend or whatever you're being told. But then when you go into present day and you actually meet like. Thorin, and you get to meet all the dwarves and whatnot. It's what I found, and I quite like too, is that idealism kind of gets shattered. Even in the first movie, you you start seeing more of like how Thorin actually is and how things actually are, and it's not. It's still this great big adventure, but it's not this idealized great big adventure that you read in fairy tale books. It's actually like a. It, it's it's going to be dangerous. For Bilbo oh, to yes. on yeah. it. And yeah. so that, that, that's one of the main things that I found with the first okay. one. Really. Love it. <laughs> I'll definitely I'll definitely go ahead and pretty much agree with you there. Uh, I was really excited when I first found out that uh, that they were going to include um, stuff with as an Bazaar. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I hope, um, well, you know, stuff like that from the appendices and everything. I was like super excited. I was like, yes, yes, my never everything it's worth. Thank you. And when I heard that Azog was going to be in it, and I was like, yes, this is great. And I was a little disappointed. I was like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> Why is Azog alive? I, what? But again, it's like, okay, go ahead and separate the books from the, from the, uh, you know, from the movie. Okay. All right, now, I, I get, with all that background and everything, I think they did that all right, although it it seemed to drag on and on and on. I think there was way too much ex exposition in this. You know, compare it with the prologues that they did in the Lord of the Ring movies. And that one they covered, they, they gave you everything you needed to know covering the highlights for covering the highlights of like thousands of years of history 
in a matter of minutes, like just a handful of minutes. This one, it goes on much longer, covering much less time. <laughs> and it's just like, um, can we can we move on? It's like, okay, I, I get it. And, and part of it is because it wasn't necessary. It was two different two two different main elements they were trying to bring together in this one in, in all the prologue exposition, you know, with uh, as an old bazaar. So you get the port the that you get that part with the dwarves, and you get and you get smog. It's all with the dwarves, but it's still it's told seemingly in a, a much more disconnected fashion, at least to at least to my mind. Mm. Okay. Whereas opposed to like just a continuing narratives like here's your highlights and here we go so right right away that kind of set me off i was like uh, but all right not again not a huge deal and i'm gonna again i'm gonna agree with you that the first one is definitely the strongest of the three movies in fact when it came out uh you may even be able to find videos of it where i'm defending it from its harsher critics mm. that said uh the, you know, there were definitely things that still kind of me, left me eh, about it. And that is a lot of it had to do with the fact that Jackson was trying to thread this needle in between the Hobbit, between the Hobbit book, reading it so, solely as a kid's book and the Lord of the Rings movies. He's trying to like thread a needle between the two different tones. Mm. And I'm not, I don't think that he successfully struck a balance and I don't even know that he should have tried to strike a balance. I think since it was clearly, these are clearly Lord of the Rings prequels, clearly connected to those movies should have just went ahead and just gone for it, go full on, you know, Lord of the Rings tone and everything and just keep that consistent throughout. Now, I am going to defend this choice there, especially with the first movie, just a little bit. Like I see, I can see part of what he was doing because the tone shifts throughout the whole yeah, trilogy. And does. that is not unlike the book. The book actually, by the, by the time you get from the beginning of The Hobbit with the unexpected party, you know, with dwarves singing songs and tossing plates and bending forks and so, so on and so forth, by the time you actually get to the Battle of Five Armies, it feels a lot more like you're reading a Lord of the Rings prequel, which of course it wasn't. It was the first book, obviously, for those who for some reason don't know this. <laughs> uh, it feels a lot more like you're reading a Lord of the Rings book than it does a Hobbit book at the beginning. But the way Tolkien does it, it's so, it's so gradual, the way it moves it, the way it develops that you almost don't notice until you stop to think about it with the movies. It was more noticeable. And again, and, and part of that's because it's visual Yeah, and it's visual. It's all, it's audible, all of that. And I think he should have just gone with a consistent tone right away. I think yeah. that would have helped. Now, see, I disagree with you there. Okay. I, I'd say that the shift in tone was gradual because you see it even in the first movie, there's a, like, the beginning is more light and almost kind of childish, and then it kind of gets right. more darker and grimmer when it gets to, like, the goblins and, and Gollum and the Battle of Azog or whatever. And then it gets lighter again because there's, like, 
there's hope. They see they see the mountain. There, there's they have a great big of hope. And then the next movie, they're back to like they're they're dealing with stuff, so it's kind of getting darker. Why I'd say is why it doesn't feel like it's so gradual is because they don't necessarily pull it off well. Yeah. Like 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 the steps, it, like the parts are there of it to be gradual, but it doesn't feel like it's gradual because it just doesn't seem. There's something about it where it's it's still missing that one thing where where for it to really be pulled off. Right, and it's always hard to put your finger on exactly what that thing is. Yeah, because like okay. I said, if you if you really think about it, the the, the parts are there that it's a gradual shift, but there's like there's something about it where it's like you can you can see where the shifts happen rather than yeah, it just I I I I've been racking my brain over it while watching all three movies, and they're just it's like every they have all the parts of it to be pulled off, but there's just that one thing that's missing for it to actually be pulled off that I can't quite put my finger on. You know, um, this isn't a, a precise answer to that question, but I think whatever's behind that difference is something of a modern cynical lack of seriousness sensibility that I think might be under it might be informing Jackson and crew and it's the same sensibility that interpreted pipeweed in the Lord of the Rings movies as weed as opposed to tobacco you know they did that so they could have some jokey fun with it even though read the books it's not weed <laughs> uh, but that's the way that that's the way Jack, Jackson chose to go. I think it's the same mentality that informed that decision that's informing a lot of the general tone of the Hobbit movies. And uh, th this got a little bit of discussion when the movies were new because it it was shown most in the way they treated the violence in the movies. There's mm. plenty of violence in the Lord of the Rings movies, and it felt actually much harsher than it actually was. It felt more visceral because they were taking it seriously. In the Hobbit movies, it's actually much more violent, but they, they're not, they're treating it for a cartoonish effect. Yeah, I, I really noticed that, especially with the third movie. And it's like, you know, third movie, I still love you, but by, by Hades, why did you have to do this with all the battles and the and the and the fighting and whatnot. It's just it's 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 like it's like it's a big war going on and I just you can't stop thinking about like 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 um the cartoonish behavior of Thorne's cousin that comes in on the ram and, and that one that one troll that has like those spike balls for feet walking around and it's like it's just like it's it, why why it actually and actually, I think because there was something I watched where someone was mocking how, um, you know, that scene in the third movie where the 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 stones are falling down and Legolas is finding a way to run up them somehow. And and yeah, and someone was mocking that. And I was thinking back to like the Lord of the Rings where Legolas kind of does something similarly 
I don't want to say ridiculous, but kind of the same realm of action with like the mammoth in the Lord of the Rings. And I think the reason why it doesn't, it's so people mock it in the Hobbit ones because they're just this cartoony aura of all the fighting and whatnot to where. Well, and it was, it was much more over the top in the Hobbit. Yeah. You know, well, was, was like, the taking down the whole mammoth a little ridiculous? Okay, maybe. But, but the I way mean, they did it and everything, it wasn't near. It was like, maybe. <laughs> well, that's my point. Because they, they have a different aura in the Hobbit, yeah. it, it just doesn't come across the same way. Yeah. Um, but. Okay, go, going going back to the first movie because we'll definitely get to Lego to uh, Legolas. <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay, I know what you're hinting at. Okay. Oh, there's so many things. I I haven't oh. hinted at everything. <laughs> oh, I was just thinking of the one thing. Oh, never mind. Yeah. Oh no, there's more. <laughs> well, boy. There's more. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, um, with again. Uh, for the most part, I don't have a whole lot of critique of the first movie, to be honest. I did not like the unexpected party. I thought the lead-in was just like, rather, again, it felt like it took a little too long to get there. But what really got me was I thought the I thought the actual thing with where they're flinging the plates around and everything, I thought that was just too crazy, too over the top. You know, okay. when, when they when they started bouncing plates off their elbows, I'm like, no, okay. I'm, I'm, okay, I'm no. checking out. Let me open the music's no. done. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to stop you right there. Okay, that, right scene, that scene is a lovable scene. Don't you dare! <laughs> All right, <laughs> dude, dude, I I I have I have that song as a ringtone for some people on my phone. I'm not critiquing the song. Not critiquing the song. I'm critiquing the, song, the scene. But the song is part of the scene as a whole. The, the, now, see, the, the the scene I kind of am like, why? It, it's when they're all drinking beer so messily as like getting into beer. That one, I'm like, uh, oh, that one and the burping. I'm just like, why? I Establishing the doors is significantly I, rougher than poor Bilbo is used to dealing with. <laughs> yeah, like like I guess they're they're um they're they're establishing how the dwarves are compared to a habit like Bobo, but at the same time it's kind of like mm, that's kind of gross. <laughs> I, I think I didn't see that. <laughs> then again, again they're dwarves, so what am I? What am I? So. Yeah, I mean that's what they're that's what they're supposed to do. I, I was one hundred percent okay with that, but then again I'm a guy, so that's. If you think that's not, if you think that's a gross exaggeration from how we are when we're just by ourselves, you're wrong. It's an exaggeration, but not a gross one. <laughs> uh, so, uh, as as far as anything, as far as anything else, any of my critiques with the first movie, um, a lot of it. First of all, I I, I kind of agree with the pe people who said so. Gandalf. Picked Bilbo because Bilbo climbed trees and stuff as a kid. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like I get, I, I know exactly what they were doing there. I, I I know they were trying to establish Bilbo as yes, 
uh, hobbits are unnaturally boring for the most part. And Bilbo is the fact that Bilbo seems seemed like a normal kid when he was a kid is proof that he was way more adventurous than your average hobbit. Yet they tried to give a reason for it. They tried to show the reason that Bilbo was picked and the execution didn't quite come off. It almost would have been better to just leave it as Gandalf picked him because he had a hunch. They even, they even say why Gandalf picked him though. It's because Bilbo gave him courage. Yeah, sort of. That's I don't think that's the reason why he necessarily picked him. I you know I think it really it does come down it really did come down to a hunch at the end of the day. Well, yeah, he it, 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 at the end of the day he he was taking a chance on Bilbo, but if you think about it, you know Bilbo even even when he's giving Gandalf a hard time and turning him down, Bilbo you can see it's kind of like you know, I really do kind of want to go on this adventure. Mm-hmm. And then, so there's that. And then there's the fact that Bobo does give Gandalf courage. And, mm. and really, you can just chalk it up to, like, it happens in real life sometimes. There's just something yeah. where you have, you have a feeling someone is capable of big things. No, and I agree with it. I th- my argument is that they should have just left it at that instead of trying to add in some other additional reasoning like Gandalf, you know, saw him being just a touch more adventurous than your average Hobbit kid when he when Bilbo was young. He should have just, it should have just been left at. I got a hunch about this one, and we're gonna, and so that's why he's coming with you, even though he totally seems ill suited for the task. I'm gonna disagree with you there, but that's minor. Uh, <laughs> And then otherwise, my critiques with the first one, other other than obvious things like Azog, CGI Azog didn't look didn't look very good. He looked <laughs> actually he looked actually rather bad. Yeah, no, <laughs> actually, um, she, well, actually, um, oh god, that's actually um, Goblin Town. Oh, but real Go, Goblin Town and a lot of things that happened there. Real quick though, with yeah. Adog, um, when you watch the behind the scenes, they actually did have issues with Adog. As far as CGI, I can't remember exactly what the issues were, but I know they were having a difficult time with Adog, so that's probably why Adog doesn't completely look right. Yeah, he, 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 for whatever reason, Weta wasn't able to pull that one off as well as they would have liked. Um, yeah, Goblin were- Town, the Goblin King. Oh boy. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry, scrotum neck. I just, just no. <laughs> just no. The, the, that whole design for that character, just no. What do you expect from a goblin, though? I mean, it's a goblin. But does it have to be scrotum neck? But it's a goblin. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care that it's a goblin. It's got a freaking scrotum neck, and it's, God, it's weird. <laughs> Uh, uh, <laughs> and uh, otherwise, um, uh, my then then you get into the uh, all of a sudden physics don't work anymore. Well, again, kind of like the uh, kind of like the flinging the plates around scene. 
So why does everybody survive falls from hundreds of feet? Why? It's like Bilbo looks like he's falling into the abyss. Ah! And he just hits the rock, slides, and he's fine. Actually, actually, that that popped into my head this last time around watching it, and then I instantly realized, you know, I really don't care. <laughs> and that's fine. You can choose to be like, you know what? Disbelief, I'm just going to hang you up over here. And <laughs> you, can, you can do that. That's fine. Yeah. Well, yeah. Recognize you're doing it and that you need to do it to not just be thoroughly annoyed. <laughs> Well, generally, when you when you like something, it's easy to do. That's what a lot of people point out with like um certain. I can't remember who it was I was listening to, but like with any movie and any, really with anything, you're more willing to suspend your disbelief mm -hmm. when a it 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 seems. Even though it doesn't quite fit, it kind of makes sense within the world. B you like said things. So it's not really going to bother you as much if something... Right. But this is a thing that shouldn't fit within said world. Because one of the things that I was actually just discussing this with uh, with a friend of mine last night, not in relation to this movie, but just in general, I'm willing to accept almost any, prom any, any premise you throw at me. You know, uh, mutants, aliens, you know, di you know, di di you know, what's that? People being sent to purgatory. I mean. Right, and yeah, you can. You, I'll, I'll, for the sake of the story, I'll accept almost any premise you throw at me. But past that premise, unless you give me some reason to believe otherwise, everything else in that world works the way it normally does, mm. including uh -huh. gravity. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you in you know like Star Wars. For example, um, again, uh, I, you know, maybe with you, this isn't the best example, but <laughs> it's a it, it's a good one. You know, you want to tell me there's people that can use this thing called the force and have laser swords? Fine, I know that up front. I either buy it or I don't watch it. Plain and yeah. simple. But well, if you tell me that, see that young kid Anakin can suddenly can run, can sort of race half a lap behind everybody else, catch up, catch up to almost everyone instantly, and then suddenly can't get by the rider except for when he remembers to flip a couple of switches and get a burst, sudden burst of speed three different times. I'm throwing the flag. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I'm totally, or, or that, or that he can fly, same kid can fly into a hangar and randomly launch off a torpedo and it suddenly and from the hangar there is a direct channel to the central reactor core of the ship and blow the whole thing up i am throwing the flag <laughs> i know you don't you probably don't know what i'm talking about trust me on this though <laughs> everyone who's seen the star wars prequels knows exactly what i'm talking about yeah <laughs> but anyway uh, so the laws of, so gravity doesn't work in the hobbit movies yeah. Not the same. Yeah, I mean, I grant the hobbits have, they have hobbits have a small mass, so maybe it's like when an ant falls from five hundred feet, he's fine. <laughs> it's just like that, except no. <laughs> uh, from there, I have three essential critiques. Okay. One is 
the and it's two of them are just on things that aren't capitalized on. Oh gosh, I totally forgot about Radagast. <laughs> oh, Radagast! Radagast is his own special kind of. Don't like it at all. Radagast is awesome. No, Rad. You know what? We're gonna go with Radagast right now. Radagast is. A lot of people have compared him to Jar Jar. Initially, I won't go that far. He's not as bad as Jar Jar Binks. But he's pretty freaking bad. Like, just the way they played him as this total doofus with bird poop on the side of his head, screaming about Seb Sebastian the Sebastian the Cuddly Hedgehog. <laughs> okay, you did not just go... <laughs> did you just go after the hedgehog? I just went right after that hedgehog. Let the wow. darkness take him. That's what I say. How dare. <laughs> How dare I indeed. <laughs> How dare you. That hedgehog, the best hedgehog ever. You know what? He might be, in, might in fact be the best hedgehog ever. He's still okay. a hedgehog. This is not a high bar. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway, no, I wouldn't call, I say, I say Radagast is kooky. Yes. Yes, I'm unnecessarily so. And you know, I'm I'm willing to give a pass to the rabbit sled. Oh, I love the rabbit. Ross Gobel rabbits. Okay. <laughs> sure. But you know, I guess. But the the I, I lost I was done with Radagast when he led when he decided to draw off the orcs. While everybody else made it to uh, the Hidden Valley of Rivendell, and it's like it's a scene out of friggin' Scooby Doo. <laughs> it's like they're running one way. Oh look! It's I mean seriously, Radagast. Instead of just going in a straight line down the friggin' road, is like oh we're gonna go here and we're gonna go there. And it's like right, I'm gonna actually make sure that the orcs stay in the area so they might have a chance of seeing you and then hunt you down and kill you. That's it. Seems like that's more what he was doing. He is the worst person to lead that to provide a distraction that I could possibly imagine. I don't know. I mean, defend that. That we, was one of the worst choices in all three movies, actually. I don't know, man. If we if we want to talk about bad choices for things, um, shoot, what was the scene? There was a. Oh, you want to talk about? Okay. I'm going to go over to the second movie for, for a second. Okay. I want to talk about bad decisions. Granted, he leads it because he's the king and, like, he's not going to have anyone else lead it. But having Thorin, I lost my way to the to Bilbo's Hobbit Hole twice, Oakenshield, lead them through Mirkwood where they have to stay on the path. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that may um, not be the best idea. <laughs> I say because because um for those of you if you pay attention it's it's very subtle it's very subtle and you question if you see it but if you pay attention they get off the path in Mirkwood right at the beginning of Mirkwood yeah like within within about five minutes they're like I don't know or, what do we do now and it wasn't like they got like they're like we're we're hungry we're starving we need food like like again it's a book comparison. It was just, they just lost the path. No, 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 no. No, not even five minutes. Five steps into walking into Mirkwood, Thorin moves away a bunch of leaves. 
thinks he sees the path going this way, it's, which it doesn't. And then he's like, path goes this way. Thorn, you lost your way to Bilbo's Hobbit Hole twice. You should. They have street no. signs in the Shire. <laughs> Thorn, Thorn, just, just, just set this one out, buddy. You're, no, no, you're, you may be the king, but you are terrible at maps, my friend. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly, not only terrible at maps, but we'll save that for later too. Okay. <laughs> but well, yeah, okay, yeah, I, I can't believe I almost forgot forgot to bring up freaking Radagast, and then the uh, the the conversation that you know Gandalf goes to Dol Guldur and everything. It, it comes back with the with this Morgul blade. Okay, fine, cool. But uh, that's one of like three things that is almost never. There's, there's three things in The Hobbit that aren't really capitalized on well in, in the first movie. One is bringing that Morgul blade. It seems like that blade in and of itself is significant. They never really do anything with it. It just becomes like some indicate, And it's kind of like, why should that surprise you? It's Dol Guldur. You know this was a... It's like you knew this was an evil guy hideout. Could just, yeah. be, a, could just be a relic from way back in, from way back in the day. You know, it's not like the it's not like that thing has a manufacturer, but you know, buy date on it or anything like that. And you would actually still expect it to be old. And then there's, and not to mention, uh, there were all sorts of evil bad guys there already. I don't know why they didn't just take Gandalf then. <laughs> you know, or or or, or Radagast. Did Radagast actually go there first? Yeah, and he was the one with the, with the blade. Yeah, why didn't they just take him then? I mean, seriously, uh, that would have been. I think more... they tried to, didn't they? Because I know Radagast gets attacked while there. I don't remember clearly. No, he does. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. Fair. I, I withdraw that then. Um, but still, they, they never really capitalized on anything with a blade, and Saruman's the leader of this group of the White Council. But it's readily clear no one actually likes him. No one really, certainly, Gand certainly Gandalf and Galadriel don't trust him. So you you should be asking yourself, so why is he the leader? Gender, gender, a, a little secret. A lot of times there's, there's leaders that people don't like, but somehow they still become leader. Just, just look but at the how did he become the leader? I don't remember. It's not addressed in the movies. It's a, it's a, but it's a valid question. It's like, nobody likes you, nobody trusts you. It's literally, and again, in the movie, it's apparently just them and Radagast. And it's, no, Radagast isn't, really, isn't even really included. <laughs> so it's like, how, how, did, how did everybody decide you're the leader? Why? Did you just walk up and say, I'm the leader, and nobody else wanted the job? <laughs> okay, 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 since Jeremy. I am just saying. It's a valid question to ask. Why? And the and the main reason I ask, that I ask it the way that I do isn't because of a, it's because of a book comparison. It's because it's a little inconsistent with Gandalf's attitude towards Saruman in Fellowship of the Ring. You know, he... Uh, he, when they, when he tells Frodo, "Hey, 
you got to take off because that thing is the one ring. I'm going to go see uh, the leader of my order, Saruman. He'll know what to do. He, it is clear in that in that moment that Gandalf completely and utterly trusts Saruman and is willing to bring him news of the one ring. And this one, in, in the unexpected journey, which obviously takes place considerably before, he's having uh, super secret uh, telepathic conversations with Galadriel behind his back. Now, see, I would argue that while it's difficult for it's uh, uh, for trust to be regained, but I would argue that maybe Gandalf didn't trust him at first, but by the end of the Hobbit trilogy, because because we do see that Solomon does arrive to help them fight off the bad guys. This is true. So I would so I would argue that maybe Gandalf didn't trust him at first, but then he his trust was regained. Okay. I, would yeah, argue. I, I mean that's a that's a defendable that's a defensible way to look at it. I'm not sure I agree, but you know, fair enough. Uh, you know, I, I I'd be I'll, I'll, I'd be willing to let that go without too much of a fight. Put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then okay, so there's the blade, and then there's the Arkenstone. Oh yeah. The Arkenstone, the way they do it is. It's unclear exactly how we're supposed to treat the Arkenstone. And I don't think, I honestly don't think they ever quite clear it up. Does it have magical corrupting powers? Is it a magic stone in and of itself? Is it just the symbol of dwarvish kingship? So on and so forth. Is it all, is it all of this? Right. Is it, is, you know, it's, I don't think they ever really capitalize or land on how we're supposed to see the Arkenstone necessarily. Really? Yeah, uh, no, not quite. To me, it was always clear that it was more of a, it was it was this precious stone, and mm -hmm. so, and so it's very valuable, and they highly value it, and yeah. that's such a um, king's stone. Mm -hmm. It also acts as a symbolism of like a source of like the dragon. Right. Yeah. So the I, thing I that, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. I always, for me, that was always clear. I never had a doubt or question about it. What throws me off is the way it's portrayed visually. Is the way it is portrayed as, frankly, looking like a magical object with the way the light, like it's not just reflecting from within the stone. It's actually like this almost little rainbow cloud around it, and that's where I'm like, huh. Okay. Why? And then there are lots of times throughout the trilogy where it is described it is it is described as having a corrupting influence in and of itself. O almost like a certain ring we all know and love. <laughs> you know, and I'm like just Now two things for that. Things. Yes, I, please. I have I have two counter arguments for that. First one I can kind of see what you mean about the appearance of it, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, eh. I, it's be because the elven white jewels, they kind of mm. have the same appearance too, but there's really no question about whether or not they're magical. They just, mm. they're just, they just kind of have that appearance. Second, is everyone referring to the stone as, 
as our concern as having corrupting abilities, are we supposed to take that literally or are we supposed to take that as that's how the dwarves have begun to view it and that's and they and for something that happens uh, either symbolically or metaphorically with the corruption of their kings, mm. that's because because we see this in history all the time, you know, yeah. something something has a metaphorical or symbolic effect on something, but then people end up make turning it turning it into this magical thing because it seems to do this thing to multiple people when really right. it's how people end up taking. And you actually see that not just with the Arkansas, but with other things too, like with the way the dwarves tell the story of their homeland and the battle with Azog and Smaug and and the um the prophecy of the dwarves returning and, and you see you see that kind of treatment of things throughout the whole thing and we just you know whether there are certain things that are supposed to be taken literally like with the one ring and things that are probably not supposed to be taken literally with like how they view the ark and stone let's go ahead and table that for a minute because it comes the same theme comes up again uh in the second movie and desolation of smog. Uh, so let's table that for just a minute, for just a couple of minutes, and 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 circle back to it. Um, another one is the necklace that Thranduil is so enamored of. Oh yeah. Although, well, well, actually, I'm sorry, we don't we don't get there yet. That's that's to the that's to the second movie, um, no. where where that where I that becomes an issue for me. Um, the other one was actually Thorin's oaken shield. And what gets me about that is the way you know when the eagles carry carry him away, he it falls from his hand and they focus on it for just a second, and it's just like, why? I'm. It's like I, I can think of all kinds of reasons why it's significant enough to focus on, but the thing is that it's never brought up again. That's what bothers me. It's not it's not just that they focused on it because I can think of reasons to do that. The point is that they never focus on it again. It's never mentioned. There's no 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 reason given to focus on it the way they did. It's just like well, there, it's, it's probably important to him, so we're gonna show it for a sec. And it's really bad that that fell off, but he's never gonna talk about it ever. Is there really a reason to bring it back up though? Because I I feel like that's well the way they the thing is. They focused on it. To me, that should means there should be a reason to bring it back up. Yeah, no, there has to be some reason, narratively, why they decided to focus on that dropping from his arm the way they did, and it's just never it just never goes anywhere. But so, it's probably a reason that's meant to be interpreted by the viewer and not spelled out by the movie. It doesn't need to be spelled out necessarily. I mean, like I said, I can think of reasons why. I, I certainly can, but it's just an odd thing because if it is that significant, if it is so, something so significant that I, as a viewer, am supposed to be thinking about it, you would think it would also be significant enough for Thorne to mention it or someone to mention it. No. Like, you know, for Balin to be like, dude, you lost your Oaken Shield. Thorne's like, yeah, I'm still Thorne. I'm still a badass. Here we go. Now, see, I find that odd if they brought it up again. What's that? Now, see, I think it'd be odd if they brought it up again. Really? Yeah. 
because I feel like it's a it, it's just supposed to be a thing for the first movie. The his his um his, his um uh, I don't want to say attachment, but um because the Oaken Shield is like a piece from that battle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so I feel like while while he's not completely over the bad battle in the future movies, he's over enough to where like the last piece of the battle is falling has gone away and moving on to the next stage of, of conflict. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, that's, it, so and that's, again, I think that's a good reason. I mean, you could, yeah, he's like part of him sh shedding the past, uh, and it's also also look at it as the first part of him starting to lose himself, actually, which yeah, he totally does true. inside the Lonely Mountain, as as a result of the quest. You could, you you could definitely give it those sorts of interpretations, and those but would all be fine, and be can be internally consistent. But but see, that's that's why I think if the out of it came back up, because even though it has that significance, it's not that as significant as like the Arkenstone or the One Ring. So I feel like it'd be kind of no reason to bring up the Oaken Shield again. The thing is, I don't think there should have been a reason to focus on it the way they did. That's what that's what bothers me. That makes it seem like it is significant. Obviously not on the level of the Arkenstone, but still significant enough for them to, you know, give it a, you know, give it an unusual amount of screen time for a piece of wood. Well, I mean, that's not the first, first time they focus on it either no no it's not but again my my primary issue is that they gave it that focus and then it's like it's never acknowledged that it's gone i mean they focus specifically on the loss of it and that is never acknowledged that's seems inconsistent to me mm. not that the needs to be spelled out for the viewer but that at least one character should care <laughs> I think we're gonna have to agree to disagree. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, the one other thing is going with the whole Gandalf finding another flipping moth to send after the eagles. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and quote the, uh, it, well, paraphrase more likely the uh, Tolkien professor on this one. It says like, if your goal is to do away with the impression that the Eagles are Middle Earth Deus Ex Machina, that they are Middle Earth taxi service. This is exactly what you should not do. <laughs> you should not have him do exactly the same thing that we saw him do in the Lord of the Rings movies. Not just, you know, don't have him do the exact same thing and then have the Eagles magically show up to the rescue that way. No, no, no. <laughs> it should just be like, yeah, in in the books, they just they saw what was going on, and they're like, "Oh, we don't like we don't exactly love dwarves, but we really hate goblins, so let's rescue these these dwarves." Essentially, you, you know, yeah, I like how how every every time you like, I I just have a few critiques of the first movie, and then I and, come up with more. Keep adding more and more. I know. I'm sorry. It's like as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, gosh, yeah, there were a few things, and I. Still stand by that the first one is overall all right. And I'm going to go ahead and say something that I really liked. That is a drastic change from the book. 
And that actually is uh, that that battle at the tree at the end. I I didn't like how slow all the other doors were were to jump into the fight, but I loved. First of all, that scene where Thorn gets up and he he's like, "All right, let's go." <laughs> I'm like, yeah. that was that was a that was a totally badass shot. I don't care who you are. That was a really good shot, <laughs> and yeah. it was a pretty good fight. And then I loved the way Bilbo just ran in there to save Thorn's bacon. Yeah, that oh, was great. I mean, it, it was it a drastic change from the book? You know, yes, by golly, it was. Uh, because Bilbo didn't really step up and come to everyone's rescue in the book until Mirkwood, yeah. rescuing them from the spiders. But this was really good the way they did it. And they wound up using the spider scene to do to show something else with Bilbo, yeah. which I thought wor worked out all right. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, um, I'm gonna go ahead and say that the way that ended was really good, and the way Thorin finally came around with regards to Bilbo toward yeah. at the end when the eagles dropped them off at the, at the Carrick, that yeah. was great. That was really good. Um, I have I have no I have no complaints about about that at all. That was that was well executed. So. I, again, there were things that uh, it was kind of cool seeing uh, a happy Elrond instead of grumpy Elrond. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and all of that, you know, all of that was was pretty cool. Uh, the depiction of the Shire was, of course, fantastic, beautifully done. Um, Martin, everyone's performances were very good. No, uh, I have no complaints about any of that whatsoever. Yeah. Especially, in, especially in this first movie, even the even the dude playing Radagast played what they wanted well. Yeah. Um. I, yeah. And it, incidentally, um, Mr. Magma there kind of brought up as like this more has to do with the directors and screenwriters. I completely agree. It's not. Uh, I I don't put blame like that necessarily on the actor. I blame it on the director. Yeah. And the directors and the writers, because the actor's job is to give the director what he wants. Yeah, plain and simple. So if 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 Joel Schumacher tells George Clooney to be a friendly Batman, then by golly, that's what George Clooney's supposed to give him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, we, we, more of your thoughts. <laughs> well, incidentally, well, incidentally, we've already been on air for about an hour. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was, you beat me to it. I was just about to say that. We we've spent our hour talking about the first one. <laughs> yes, we did. Um, yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of what else was the first one. <sighs> let me let me look at my notes here. Um, so some of the similar things that you brought up to like tying in, like what the appendix had, and also tying it into the Lord of the Rings. So there was a lot of added stuff for that and it's also why it ended up being so many movies mm -hmm. because they were trying to yeah. include all that stuff um let me see what else uh, oh um the only other thing i could think of was out of all the movies i think the first one dealt with tension the best 
and like building it up and whatnot and um mm-hmm. oh you want to talk about a very good scene in the first one that isn't like one of the more humorous ones or whatever it's or 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 like the ending or whatnot it's basically another good scene it has to be the riddles in the dark scene yes Bobo is with Gollum and thank you for bringing that up yes that was very well done yeah otherwise i i think i <laughs> for someone who loves the habit I, I i didn't say much but but that's pretty much all i got for the first one <laughs> well i mean and there is a lot to like there especially the riddles in the dark scene the whole thing was done very very well uh andy circus was again as always, brilliant. Uh, I've never seen a performance of his that I did not like. Yeah. Uh, oh, and yeah. our, all the dwarves, yeah. even if not all of them spoke, and you can argue some of their personalities were cartoonish, at least all 13 of them had their own personalities. Yes, they did. And, and that is that's tough to pull off. I don't care who you are. Yeah, it is. It is. It really yeah. is. You yeah. Know, they got 13 and it's like if you if you look at them I, I i don't know if it is in the book but i've seen bits of like the cartoon hobbit movie and the way the dwarves are done you really already tell the difference between them by their name and by the different cloak colors exactly and in fact i think the i think the animated version even reduced the number of dwarves oh wow i think it's only like nine dwarves or something in that yeah uh in, in the books, I mean, there are dwarves that don't have any lines yeah. whatsoever. And only a couple, only like Thorin and Balin, um, they're the only ones with a significant amount of lines. Yeah. I think I think Bomber is the only dwarf that doesn't have any lines in The Hobbit. Mm, no, I, no, he has lines. <laughs> oh, he does? Bomber? Oh, Bomber? Oh, heck yeah. When? Uh, well, for one, in Mirkwood. When uh, he falls in, he falls into the river, falls asleep, and then when he wakes up, he's whining about not having any food because in the while he was in a coma from the magical river, he was dreaming about wonderful banquets and everything. I don't remember him complaining about being hungry. Bomber's the Bomber's the fat one. He's complaining about being hungry. I know what Bomber is, but I don't remember him actually complaining about food. Oh yeah, oh yeah, quite a bit. I just this just means you need to finish the book. <laughs> yes. To to your credit, you have started it. So. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, no, Bomber's definitely got lines. In fact, he's one of the ones that have. Wait, but wait. So are you talking about he had those lines in the book or in the movies? In the book. I'm talking about the movie. They're not in the movie. I'm oh, like you're talking about the movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize. Okay. Okay. That's why. That's why we're talking past each other. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um. Yeah. Gosh. I can't think if he has lines in the movie or not. Yeah. He's. I think he's the not only much, one. He's the only one that doesn't. Because even. Shoot. I always get to. That's actually kind of funny because in the book he's got a fair amount of lines. So in the movie they decided to just, I guess, make him a, visual gag. Even. <laughs> Even Biffer has lines in The Hobbit. Yeah. Huh. The guy with axe. Yeah, that. I don't know. But I just don't know why. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, they don't have an axe in your head. <laughs> 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 <All right. laughs> 
dude, dude, if you if you see the third one and extended edition, he actually the axe goes away in the third one. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. It goes I, away. Haven't, I haven't seen the extended editions of Desolation or Battle, so the thing is you you'd probably mock it though because he gets he loses the axe and then all of a sudden he speaks perfect English again. But 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 yeah, he in, in the third one in the third one he Oh, I know. No, you'd more so mock how he lost the axe. But anyway, in the third one... Somebody slapped him in the back of the head and it flies out or something? No. Well, they, he jams it into either a troll and or an orc. I think it's a troll. He jams it into a troll. And then okay. it as the troll falls down, it gets yanked out of his head. And then and then one of the other dwarves tries to give him back, back the axe, and he's like, he, he tosses it to his side and he's like, they know where they can shove that or something. <laughs> you will oh, mock this. You will I know you, you will mock this. I probably would. You're I'm sure I'm sure you're correct. <laughs> All right. So but in general, yeah, I think the oh, one last thing about the rules in the dark scene. Uh where Bilbo spares Gollum. Yeah. That was that was so well done. Um that was that was actually, honestly, one of the greatest. That may be the best scene out of the whole trilogy. I argue, I would argue that it's in the top five, certainly. Oh no, I I agree with you there. And uh, and there is, and, and don't get me wrong, with the second and third movies, there are good scenes in them. There are things to like. It's yeah. just not enough. <laughs> <laughs> For you, not enough. For me, enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, enough. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> All right. So I guess here here's the question, Crystal. Do we keep going? I'm 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 more than happy to keep going. All right, let's roll. Desolation. Okay. I, I I've I've been doing most of the talking. You go. Oh, you sure? Because I can let you go first since I started the first movie. That's okay. That's okay. I've you 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 started. I finished ad nauseum. So. Oh boy. Okay. So. Actually, now I gotta remember. <laughs> I gotta be. I I really should have with these before. Um. Oh. What the second one? There's definitely a tonal change too. It's definitely overall. It's more darker and. Um, yeah. I've I've also noticed too. There's a shift in in focus with the story. Like they they slowly start focusing more in on like the character relationships and whatnot. If if I'm remembering correctly, if I'm remembering correctly, and um, they introduce a bunch more character relationships. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, which and, fits in a way. And um, you know, they they show more of Bilbo's change due to the ring and the journey, and then mm -hmm. yes. And then, of course, you see the shift in Thorin when they finally get to the mountain, you know, mm. after, after they mistakenly have him lead through Mirkwood. Yes. <laughs> yes, after Gandalf gets the uh, tele telepathic uh, wizard single from Galadriel. I was like, oh, I got to roll. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. That, that's what I was thinking of. But with the second movie, you really start... Before even showing up at the mountain, you you really do start to see Thorne's pride 
kind of start kicking in. Yeah. And it, and it's you especially you especially start seeing it in Mirkwood. You know, first the, I I'm not gonna use him leading them through Mirkwood as an example because it's like he, he's the king, of course he's gonna want to lead them through, even though uh, he He clearly sucks at it. How do you how, twice? How do you how do you get lost on your way to Bilbo Baggins's habit hole, the biggest habit hole out of all the habit holes? Right. <laughs> exactly. It's like other than you know, as far as anything in the Shire proper that isn't in Tukland or Buckland, this is probably yeah the the biggest hobbit hole that there is. So, like 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 Thorin, Thorin, get it's it got an address. Get it together. <laughs> anyway, um, so you start seeing it in Mirkwood, like when he's when he's talking to Bilbo, and like um, like with the with the white deer. You know, and it's like yeah. he goes to shoot it, and it's like Bilbo's, you know, telling him like, you know, that's not a good idea. You know how this forest is, and he's, you know, he's like, whatever. We make our own luck. We're not gonna have bad luck by doing this, whatever. And it's like, well, it turns out you are. <laughs> and then, and then, you know, he starts getting, you start seeing him more with like him trying to figure out what the path is and lead them through. And it's like he's just like, no, it's this way. We gotta go this way. And then, um. Something I noticed, uh, um, rewatching this again, because I was really paying attention to this stuff, um, even more so because coming up with notes. In the scene where he's talking to Drandul mm. and, and their conflict or whatever, and they're talking, and and it's just him and Drandul and Drandul's, guard, Drandul's guards around. And something I noticed is Thorin not only openly mocks Drandul, in front of Thrandall and his guards, but he talks and stands as if he has this huge audience around. But then, but then they, but they show the whole area, and it's just this empty place. And Thorne's acting like he has this huge audience and crowd where he's just openly mocking how weak and worthless and a fool Thrandall is, and how he's better and you know, you start seeing his pride there. And then, of course, obviously you see it when they arrive at the mountain and he's, you know, Bilbo's trying to get away from Smaug because it's like, dude, there's just, 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 just an angry dragon after us. We got to get going. And he just, and Thorne's main focus is like, but do you have the Arkansas? Uh, there's a dragon coming. Do you have the Arkansas? And Thorne, this isn't this Arkansas or not. It's like, okay. Which, dragon. Is something that Thorne immediately drops, and that doesn't really resume questioning Bilbo again, which that caught me the the first and and on the rewatch too. Like, okay, I understand you had to drop it for the minute because yeah, sure enough, just like Bilbo said, the dragon showed up, and we kind of had to escape from him. But why on earth didn't he? turn his suspicion right back to Bilbo because Bilbo was not giving him an answer. He wasn't even giving him a bad answer. He was just kind of looking at him like, uh, well, let's go. <laughs> I mean, he didn't say, he never once said no. He never once said, let's look look for it later. But none of that. He just basically didn't answer the question. And especially when Thorin is going kind of cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs there, 
you would think that instead of Bilbo being the one that he winds up trusting, by the time we get into the third movie, he would be the one that his suspicion would be most turned to. But wasn't there... I'm trying to think. Wasn't there something Bilbo did right before the movie ended that might have caused Thorne the beginning? I, I Didn't Bilbo help Thorne get Smaug into that room to where they could pour the gold on him? I mean, I think so, but... I mean, that's not... I get what you're. I'm trying. Even so, uh, but again, that's that's way towards, way towards the end. Uh, you know that that little side side quest that Gandalf goes on towards the you know towards the beginning when Galadriel tele contacts him telepathically, and he goes to like the old witch king's grave or something. Again, that, that kind of becomes a thing that's like, why did you have to go all the way there? What was it that tipped Galadriel off that maybe that's interesting? Why does he have to actually go back and physically inform anybody? Because obviously the telepathy works pretty well. <laughs> uh, you know, I, there's there's a lot of things there. And like, why on earth did he have Radagast meet him there? Because he just show, Radagast shows up and they turn around and leave. Like, did we? Did you just want us to not forget that Radagast was around? <laughs> That's kind of what it feels like. Kind of like the whole Ar Arwen, Arwen's fate tied to the Ring subplot in the Lord of the Rings movies. It's like I'm pretty sure they came up with that just so that we didn't forget that she exists. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how it wound, wound up feeling, and that whole scene just seemed pointless. It's like we know the main threat is that Dol Guldur. Why are we going off? Why are we going off here to this little side quest for reasons? I don't know. And again, you know, Gandalf going into Dol Guldur on his own there and everything, knowing that he's there's something big going on. Probably should have had some backup. <laughs> some backup that didn't have bird poop on its head. I know there's a scene where Gandalf and Radagast are in Dolgo Door together. Was that yeah. or I or think I, I think that was uh that that was when everybody shows up to rescue him, which I think is a battle of the 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 battle of the five armies. No, 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 no. Radagast wasn't there for that. What's that? I'm sorry. Radagast wasn't there for that. He showed up at the end. He showed up at the end of that battle. To uh... yeah, but I'm talking about when. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. He, I think Radagast brought him to Dolgoldor, and then he's like, "Go get the White Council and and you know let them know that I'm here," sort of thing. Which again is that telepathic radio, one way only. Only from Goliath, at least at a distance. <laughs> I'm like, just fire that up, Gandalf, and say, hey, bring some backup. Probably more than just you. <laughs> FYI. So, <laughs> but even you, you think about that for just a second. Before, like right at the beginning of the movie, where Bjorn chases them into his house, 
yeah. Bjorn in bear form. Bjorn was utterly irrelevant to the movie. He's just like, okay, big giant bear Bjorn chases him into his house. He walks in at night and finds him there all sleeping and everything. And he's just like, oh, shrug. Especially when he's as a man, he can be reasoned with. Well, you didn't even bother trying to reason with him. You were literally just crashing out in this place. <laughs> <laughs> it's when when he just when he came back, it's like um, and not, I'm sorry, the character design, you know, freaking Sonic the Hedgehog Bjorn. No, <laughs> that was that was a poor character design. It just looked ridiculous. He wasn't that bad. Okay. <laughs> this, this is definitely this that's definitely gonna be a, a agree to disagree section because I saw when I first saw usually when I see stills from from a movie, some odd character design, I don't know like, well let's wait and see how it looks on screen. Because usually a still looks more ridiculous than it does on screen. When I saw it on screen, I was like, Yep, yep, that's pretty ridiculous still. That <laughs> Can't go. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know why the dude who looks like a bear has to have Sonic the Hedgehog hair. In fact, if anything, he should have been a Hedgehog man. He may. He should have been Sebastian in, in man form. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've literally never thought that before just now, but but yes. Please yes, don't me. ever have that thought again. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's right. I think you're wrong. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I am, I am clearly in the right. I mean, his eyebrows go up into his hair over his forehead. No, <laughs> just no. He can be a great big scary hairy dude, but it shouldn't be like. Did you go see David Boy's hairstylist when he did a lot of LSD? <laughs> now, now I think I know what you really want to get into about the second movie. The whole Legolas tutorial. Oh, goodness gracious, yes. First, one more thing about the beginning. Okay. This is one of the things that, again, didn't make any sense to me. Azog apparently very quickly tracked them. Apparently, they they can run about as fast as eagles fly. <laughs> tracked them to Bjorn's house. And then, somehow, some messenger from Belgolder was able to find him quickly right there. And I was like, hey, you gotta go. The boss says, the boss says, uh, come back. Um, but it's like, but we're hunting Thorin and everybody. The answer should have been, but, but we literally have to wait for them to leave the house and quest over. Mission accomplished. <laughs> king you know, potential king under the mountain dead. We're done. Like, oh no, I'm I'm just gonna go. I'm not even really gonna argue. And the whole and then he goes back. Why? He literally does a handoff with Bold. You know, I had it, you got it. Now you get to go hunt Thorn and everybody, and I'll lead the armies instead of just and then later on they do another thing where Azog is like, Okay, now um you go get good to bad's armies because did I know that the why didn't Bull, why did Bull just lead all the freaking armies at the beginning? Let Azog finish his hunt with Thorin. It's like this is a stupid decision. 
But the thing is, do they even know that the dwarves ended up at Bjorn's house? Yeah, they tracked them there. They, I don't remember that part. I, yeah, I remember yeah they were literally looking at Bjorn's house and like, they're in there. <laughs> I don't remember that part. Yeah, yeah, they're right there. I only remember Bjorn chasing them into his own house. But yeah. even, would the Arcs really want to mess with Bjorn? No, like I said, all they had to do was wait for them to leave. Uh, yeah, a handful of Oryx wouldn't want to mess with Bjorn. But even then, even then, you would still want to like leave somebody to, you know, keep an eye on them instead of bringing the whole troop back and hope a bull can pick up the trail again. Uh... Through freaking Merkwood, which apparently he manages to do for. Because he can. <laughs> Somehow they managed to track them over to over to Thranduil's hidey hole. But hmm. I, I, again, it, it was it's just a, like a bad decision. Why would Azog do that? Because it's, it's like it's like you know, give me a day. <laughs> give me that. You know what? How about you go back there? Say, tell the boss to have Bold lead the armies. Because he's going to wind up leading an army anyway. And then I'll finish this up. Once I get it wrapped up, I'll be back. We'll march on the Lonely Mountain. We'll talk to Smaug. And everything's going to be great. Which, that's another thing. Smaug, apparently, he seems like he's in on the plan. Again, how did that happen? I can get a, I, I can buy that he can sense Sauron's power rising again. I can get that. But he's... I don't know. I forget the exact line, but he definitely the way he talks, he definitely seems like he knows more. Uh, now that part I don't remember either. <laughs> it was one line. It was it was one line when uh, he's talking to Bilbo in the mountain, and you know talking about rising darkness, this and that. But the way he says it, it seems like he's in on more of the plan than he has any right to be, especially since he was literally just taking a nap under the gold. Again, who knows? Maybe. I can't. I can't really comment on that because I I don't know what line you're referring to. That's so. fair. Um, and again, it was one line, and it's a little. It's a relatively little thing, but it's just like, I can It's one of the things. Like, there's no. There's implications made, but there's no necessarily reason that the implications exist, other than maybe again, somehow senses the power, maybe. Maybe he's got a telepathic connection with Sauron, but then why wouldn't he be up and doing something already? I don't know. It's, it's just a, it's a relatively minor annoyance, the kind of thing that I would normally let go, to be honest. But uh, no, see, I just I I just have no idea what you're talking about. So. No, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but okay, so that I think that gets us up to Thranduil. Now you're kind of. You're are are you totally okay with the Tariel Keeley thing or I, I don't know exactly what your thoughts are on it. Um well at first I didn't like the idea of Toriel because at first I kind of felt like it was a thing of like, uh, oh, there's too many male characters, we need to add the female somehow. So, Which it was, but <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I mean that is exactly what it was. <laughs> I'm just not going to think about it. Anyway, 
No, see, I'm I'm fine with the whole Tori O'Kelly thing. Mm-hmm. I just I can't. You refer when when we were talking prior to doing the show. You referred to her as a love triangle, and I'm just like, it's too. Nicholas is such a ghost in it. I can't. I I honestly can't see it as a love triangle because to me, to yeah. me, to me, this is how it feels like. Legolas has feelings for Toriel, but Toriel doesn't have feelings for Legolas, but she kind of, I feel like in ways she unknowingly uses that to her advantage because it's like she wants to go do something, Legolas is obviously going to follow her. But it's like, it's mentioned that Legolas has feelings for her and it's like he does stuff based on those feelings, but it's not really a thing ever. No, it isn't. So that's, yeah. why, that's why I'm like, eh, I really can't call it a love triangle because all the love seems to be with Toriel and Killy. And and love triangles, love triangles usually involve a thing where where two of the people in the love triangle are, are butting heads. But the only people really butting heads are, are I'd say, Legolas and Toriel because Legolas is butting heads with all the dwarves, not just Killy. So it's not like, it just, I yeah. I, I I honestly can't call it the love triangle. It just it is not in my eyes. It is not a love triangle. It does not fit the definition of what a love triangle is. And you know, and okay, I'll, I'm gonna grant that. But in a way, that's part of my problem with it because they kind of try to set it up as a love love triangle. It's like it's like they they load the gun but they never pull the trigger, really. Because they, I, again, they set up that. Legolas is supposed, you know, supposedly has feelings for Tariel. And the Thanderwell basically warns her off of, you know, trying to return those feelings at all. So, you know, does she have them and she just suppresses them? Or is or he just making assumptions? Hard to say. Um, but yeah, there isn't a whole lot that goes on between the two of them. That's certainly true. But as you said, Legolas is like a ghost with the whole thing, which is my main issue with it is like okay they try to set this up as a love triangle but they never move it anywhere at all it never as you said it never really becomes a thing it's just they say something in that direction every now and then and then they're like eh, but never mind <laughs> we we just remembered we've actually got a lot more other story to tell so we're going to ignore this subplot that we kind of set up and just vaguely hint at this general direction from time to time Ugh. Now, as far as Toriel herself goes, I was actually okay with having the Toriel character. Is she in the book? No. Is it reasonable to think that uh, there would be female elves in uh, yeah in Thranduil's realm? Yeah. So, is it unreasonable that there would be a female elf on screen? No, of course not. Yeah. Now, the fact that they and I am going to give them all credit. They didn't. They didn't sexualize her. They didn't dress yeah. her. They didn't, you know, give her the low cut boob armor or any of that. You know, the, she was dressed like I would imagine a woodland elf who likes to go out and slay spiders would dress. This, you know, that was logical. Good for them on that. All the other ones. What's that? You came and dressed like all the other ones. Well, exactly. You know, they didn't do the normal Hollywood thing. So. I I think that's why I ended up in the end being okay with Toriel because, yeah. like we we've been over this. I if if you're adding a character just to fill an Xbox, I'm I'm like, why? Right, but, right, but, yeah. But, 
but you know, she ended up not really being that bad of an addition. So it's like, okay, eh, forgiven. I'm just not gonna think about yeah. why I did it. <laughs> but um, now see, I I I see what you mean about the whole love triangle thing. It just, I think. I think I'm just so happy there wasn't a love triangle. I'm okay with the setup not being followed through. <laughs> you really didn't want a love triangle. So you're like, yeah, you set it up, you drop the ball on your own uh, on your own story, but I'm okay with that fact. <laughs> gotcha. Yes, like, lesser of two evils. Got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's like, yeah, they didn't really do much of it, and it only really serves to show why Legolas would be following what Toriel does and, and why they'd be butting heads. Yeah. But um, it's like, uh, other than that, it does nothing. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, I'm okay with that little, <laughs> with that little error in, 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 in plotting. I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah. yeah it's a l l lesser, of, l lesser of two evils. You are forgiven for your sins because <laughs> they were sin. <laughs> Fair enough. Now the uh, I I didn't like how they made her like super duper warrior princess. I'm I was okay with her being a good good fighter against the orcs because you know who knows exactly how things apply with with the elves there and everything. I'm yeah. uh, fine with that. Uh, but it's it, and also like I had the same complaint about Legolas in the Lord of the Rings movies, as we had kind of already touched on. He was. Very, very, he was very, 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 very good at what he did. <laughs> he was, he was clearly the, he, he was clearly the best fighter out of the bunch. Yeah. You know, the way they did it. Um, it. Capable of certain things that may or may not have defied physics. But then yeah. again, he's an elf and it is canonical that he can walk on top of snow. So <laughs> I'm willing, I, did, I was willing to give them a pass on that because other than the shield surfing incident, which actually I thought was a lot of fun. And the um, and of course taking down the the Muma kill and in Return of the King, I was you know other than those things they really didn't emphasize it too terribly much. It wasn't like he could just wade through an army of orcs on his own. Now in Desolation and in Battle of Five Armies, yeah, he pretty much just effort, effortlessly wades through like whole armies of orcs, like without even breaking a sweat. He's jumping off dwarves' heads. He's flipping around here. He's flipping around there. It's just like, you know what? It's actually gone past the point of where it looks cool. And now it's just boring. <laughs> In all honesty, because it's like, uh, okay, you're just literally, like I said, you're just wading through the army of orcs. And oh, no one could touch. I mean, they do that one scene where Thorn throws, throws the sword, stops that one from getting him in the back. But one minor aberration out of the whole out of the whole sequence. It's just like ugh. I don't know. It was it was, it was it was it was kind of funny when he was standing on the dwarves' heads. Oh, it was funny, all right. <laughs> well, I I um I'd say the whole Legolas thing was better than the um uh, bomber barrel thing. I'm, that one I actually had fun with. I was like, okay, is it stupid or ridiculous? By golly, yes. But I don't, I don't know. know how I feel about it. Like, the, I, I, I don't know. I think I think even the first time I saw it, I'm just kind of like, 
Uh, it's fun, but I don't know how I feel. I just don't know how I feel about it because because here's the thing: every time I I I see that scene, uh-huh. I think of a game I played as a kid, where um it was it's on it's on PlayStation Two, so it's an old game, <laughs> and it's, and it's a truck game, and and there's um. I can't re- I can't remember what level or anything it is or what the thing was, but there was like something in the barrel you had to fight, and it kind of did something similar to what Bomber did. So it's like as soon as I saw Bomber do that in the Hobbit movies, and ever since then I just I can't. Un- it always makes me think of the Trek game, and I always think, you know, I actually kind of play that game. Who knows? Maybe yeah. that was the maybe that was the inspiration because. Right. When I saw that, I did think, wow, this looks like something out of a video game. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But it's like every time I see it, I just think of my Shrek video game. It's like, no, I don't want to play that now. Yeah. In my mind, I was literally seeing like like point numbers bounce off, you know, come up from the orcs wherever Bomber hit them. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. hmm. that is totally how this feels. It's, it's ridiculous, but. Yeah. Got, it, first time I saw it, I did get a laugh out of me. So, yeah. and so you know, la- laughter er- earns you a lot of forgiveness. Yeah. Whereas Legolas and his just flipping around doing whatever, there wasn't any laughter there. It was just like, oh, you're really saying he's this awesome? <laughs> sure, I guess. Stupid. <laughs> but you know, on the Toriel Keeley thing. Now, this is something that still, even on a second thing, is affected by the books a lot. And that's the fact that in the books, a dwarf-elf relationship could just no. <laughs> it's yeah. like, like that just because of the racial animosity between them. Just no, this is not a thing that could possibly happen. And that I, I don't know why they felt the need to do it. I, I mean, I can come up with reasons. Just to me, none of them are good enough. It's just such an odd thing, especially they do it after, like they fall in love, or Toriel falls in love with him after he makes a couple of flirty jokes about what may or may not be in his trousers. Really? It's like really? It's like you just she's falling with him because of a stupid pickup line in a bar. <laughs> But he's behind bars? Come on. That's <laughs> just. They kind of suit each other, though. Oh. What's that? They kind of suit each other, though, if you think about it. Like, like, like they're both sort of like the rebels of their own group. Like, um, Alvadam Kili is kind of like the rebel against, like, Thorin. The one who might yeah. be willing to say something against Thorin? Yeah. Which I suppose, does, in a way, I can see which, that. Which he does in the third one, but like he just, just his attitude is different from all the rest. He he looks different from all the rest too. You know he doesn't have like the full beard. Or right. Aiden Turner yeah. is awful dreamy. Yes. And it, I I wasn't going that far, but okay. But um. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and then and then you know Toriel is obviously the rebel against Thranduil. Thranduil, yeah. They're both rebels against their own kings. Basically, that's actually that's actually a fair point. Actually, I had that's uh, actually something I hadn't I hadn't considered. So, okay, 
I still can't. I, I still okay. can't buy it. I'm still like, why? Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I never said it would work out in the end, though. I just said I, I don't mind it being that. I don't yeah. mind them being interested in each other and that the 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 feels being there. If if they, if, if they were to actually become a couple and have little half dwarf half half of babies, I. I It'd be the dreamiest wars ever. <laughs> and the shortest elves ever. And the shortest elves, yes. Exactly. Yeah, oh, goodness. Yeah, like, no. Just no. I think, I think I don't write it so much because it doesn't end up working now. It or doesn't, it, although, by golly, the way they the way they do it at the end, or, you know, Tariel's all, oh my gosh, the lines are so cliche. Why does it hurt so much? Because it was real. <laughs> really? You literally had a total of like half an hour together. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> like, okay, maybe, maybe there's such a thing as love at first sight, but this ain't Romeo and Juliet, people. <laughs> it could be Romeo and Juliet in Middle Earth. Yeah, just well, no. Besides, that's a Baron and Luthien story. But <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I just cannot. I, I I just can't get there. It's just no. Why not him, love man? I mean, on this on this on the second watching, I'll grant they set up the because it was real line. I grant I grant that they set that up. It was still cheesy. It was still like. <laughs> Did somebody just did somebody just read Hallmark cards as their inspiration for this nonsense? Meanwhile, I would argue not everything that's cheesy is necessarily bad, but that. I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that. I will I, grant you that premise, but. I, I'm I'm a chick, okay? Leave me alone. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't ask me. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, there's a difference in perspective there. I'll give you that. <laughs> But yeah, so right off right off the bat with this one, I'm just like not not loving it. And the yeah. way they recycled certain things, you know, from Lord of the Rings, like, oh, he got Keely got shot with a you know poison arrow, like a Morgul poison arrow, like a like an arrow that's apparently poison and that's does the same sort of stuff to you that the Witch King's Blade did to Frodo, which in and of itself doesn't make a lot of sense. The way they did that, and then they recycled the Athelos cure, and then we see the elven healing magic uh, money shot, as it's been described, where all of a sudden you get glowy Tariel. It's like, why are we recycling this? What? what Remember when, when Tariel, I think this is Oh goodness. No, no, this is this is still desolation. When Tariel shows up and uh, yeah. kills Keely. Yeah. You know, they basically set it up that the arrow that he got shot with is doing the same thing to him that the Witch King's Blade did to Frodo. See, I never made that connection. See, you should be making that connection because the whole thing with well, again, to be fair, this is something that I 
don't think is clear unless, frankly, unless you've read the books, come to think of it. Because in the in the books, the the little chip of the Wish King's blade that gets left in Frodo in Frodo's wound, it is it isn't like a conventional poison that's hurting him. It's a certain magic, if you will, attached to the blade. And the blade is slowly working its way in towards its heart. And it's not just doing that, it's slowly turning him into a wraith. And that's why when he sees when he sees Arwen, he sees her all glowing and everything because he's seeing what she looks like in that in that other realm, in that more spiritual realm. She's seeing the um, he, yeah, he's basically seeing Arwen's spiritual aspect more than the physical. Okay, I'm a, I'm gonna disagree with you right there. I don't think that's why Kiwi saw Toriel as being all glowy. Okay, why do you think he saw her as being all glowy? Because they were playing up the whole like he's dying and he's seen her as like this angel saving him. I would agree with that if we hadn't seen the same sort sort of thing in Lord of the Ring in the Lord of the Rings movies. If I didn't know exactly why that was, because <laughs> I cause, because it. It's very clear in the books that that's what they did, and you know they didn't spell that out in in fellowship in the Fellowship of the Ring movie, I grant you, but um, I still don't think they did. It's been a while since I've seen it, um, but in the in the books it is quite clearly spelled out. So yeah, they were going for the same thing. One would think for the same reasons. Uh, Again, your interpretation is perfectly defensible, taking only the movie in and of itself. I would, yeah, I, I would, I would grant you that. Knowing the bigger picture, though, if that's what they were going for, they weren't sticking with what they've already established. Uh, it's still yeah. a fail. Um, I'm still gonna have to disagree with you there, because. All right. Well, you make time to read the books, and then you get back to me on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but I, I would still say it's the recycling of the thing of everything is. I'll grant Still you, annoying. even though I don't remember it in Lord of the Rings, I'll grant you the recycling. I can't, I can't, I can't grant the interpretation because it's like, I, I feel like out of all the things that are so cheesy, that would be the one thing you'd be like, oh, come on, really? He, he, <laughs> he has this glowing goddess as he, come on now. Like, like, like. Yeah, see, again, that's not how I saw it at all. I, that's that's not remotely how how I saw it. I saw it as oh, we're recycling this, and that means this, this, and this, and this. I'm like, that's now just, see, I, now see, that's I, just lazy. It's lazy now, writing. Now see, I actually saw it as cheesy. So okay, I mean that's again take that interpretation makes sense. Just taking that movie as a standalone thing. Yeah, like you know, I'll give you that. But like I said, knowing the 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 wider picture there, it's like no, no, it was just lazy writing. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, as far as other things with Bard and this and that, uh, I was I was okay with 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 the picture of Bard changes they made there and everything. I was I was fine with it. Uh, other things wasn't so fine with. One was when the orcs come into Lake Town. And they're like running around, jumping off rooftops and everything. I'm like, no one notices this. It's not like their orcs are known for their subtlety. 
No one, no one hears the pitter patter of little orc feet on the rooftops. Nobody I, sounds the alarm. Give me a freaking break! <laughs> I thought people didn't know this. Not really. It's like uh, you know, maybe there's one or two who, like closed a shutter or something. But it's like, give me a freaking break! It's, you're being invaded by orcs. You you might want to ring a bell or something. <laughs> that 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 was that. It's like, or they were orc ninjas. And just nobody really noticed. Nobody really saw them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, come on. And then, of course, we get more, you know, Legolas and Tariel just wading through the whole army without, you know, without really any effort. And then you get the fight between Legolas and Bold. Ah. Uh. Which, my big problem with that fight is Bold's armor. He's got these armor plates like embedded in his skin and everything. That had to hurt, but I'm not critiquing that because okay, fine. You're a, you're you're a scary orc and everything. Fine, whatever. The character designers just had to make you look creepy and horrifying. I get it, but there's at least a couple of scenes. There's one, and there, there's definitely one where Bold is bear hugging Legolas against his chest. Against all that horrible, painful-looking armor, <laughs> and Legolas's tunic isn't even scratched. Really? <laughs> I don't think. Again, this gets back to everything else in the world has to work the way that it's supposed to work, unless I'm given a good reason to think otherwise. I'm thinking if Bolt gets a hold of anybody in that position. Unless they are also wearing armor, which Legolas clearly was not. Let's go ahead and grant that, okay, fine, it's an elvish tune. It gets a little more protective than, than your average piece of fabric. Okay, fine. But still. <laughs> Don't forget, though, in the third in the third half of a movie, you find that they have this thin piece of chainmail thing that, that no sword is supposed to be able to penetrate. Petrol, yes. Petrol. So. Yeah, they... Yeah, Legolas doesn't have that. He could. It's it's elven clothes. And yeah, elven. no, no, because because if that if because if because if that was true, if that were true. If it's just the elves are so dang good at making fabric that's like impenetrable, you would never see an elf in actual armor, which you do, and they would never get pierced by any arrow or sword whatsoever. So no, no. <laughs> well, I'm not saying like it's impenetrable, but like maybe that's why there's no tears. It's some, it's something stronger, but not as strong as mithril. Yeah, I'm not going for it. Oh. <laughs> it was just like I tried. I tried. I, I, every time I see that, I'm just like, you gotta be joking. Let's no, see. I don't. I don't even bat an eye out moments like that because, like, I, I'm more focused on the actual fighting than what I'm not. <laughs> like, like if it were like a bigger thing, I think I would have noticed. But, like, yeah. but by the time I got to this point, in the first first thing in the movie, I was just like, I was in such a mood. I was just like, like no, nothing escapes. Everything. I will find it and I will stomp on it mercilessly like the cockroach that it is. <laughs> 
Yeah, but 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 the, let me put it this way: by this time, I was in full-on cinema sins mode, and I didn't care. I was just I was like, you know what? I'm not just going to hit it with both barrels. I'm going to weld extra barrels out of the shotgun so I can load in more rounds to hit it with more barrels. No one, no one likes the cinema sins, Jeremy Ginger. Well, you know what? Sometimes, sometimes you got to be that guy. Sometimes you're the you're not you're not the Critic, the movie deserves you. The critic, it needs. <laughs> okay, okay, I would not go that far. <laughs> That's right. That <laughs> All right, but <sighs> anyway, okay. I've been talking for a while again. How about you bring us through uh, through the mountain? Through the mountain. Uh, yes. I think we already touched on it, but then we, we touched on it a little bit. But um. I think just like Reynolds in the Dark, Bilbo's conversation with Smaug was pretty interesting too and pretty good as well. Um, oh, oh, that, that, was a, that was another thing that, that hit me while watching this again. You kind of, I mean, of course he does, he, it kind of does consume him by the time Lord of the Rings happens, mm -hmm. but at least in the case of the Hobbit, what I found interesting, you kind of see Thorin and Bilbo kind of falling down the same path, but, but Bilbo is managing to resist it more than Thorin is. Right, yes. Because, like, like, what the Arkenstone and the mountain and everything is doing to Thorin, the One Ring is kind of doing to Bilbo. But mm -hmm. in the case of the Hobbit, Bilbo is able to resist the ring more than Thorin is able to resist everything right and, and it's kind of and it's really interesting and and i'll and i'll be touching on this more in with third movie because um well well sneak peek third movie the the main thing it has going for it is the character arcs of thorn oakenshield and bubble baggins yeah main 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 good stuff it has going for it but with with the desolation here desolation smog <clears throat> You know, you really see that start to pick up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I really don't have much to say of the mountain stuff. They're really... I mean, unless you want to... Unless you really want to, like, critique the physics of, like, the gold melting and... Yeah. <laughs> and just, I saw that. I'm like, really? This was your plan. Your plan was to... Lure smog down, smog down into the forges, so you could melt a cubic crapload of gold, pour it into this giant mold that, fortunately, is still there. Lead him to said mold, break said mold, and then hope that when it breaks, because it didn't have enough time to cool, it all falls on top of smog. This was your plan listen, to take out the dragon. Listen, listen. Listen. Okay. <laughs> this this is Thor and Oakenshield we're talking about here. You know, lost my way twice to Bilbo Baggins' house, obsessed with gold and Arkansas. I I mean, we are talking about this guy, and he can't. 
We are talking about. I, I got nothing out of it. <laughs> this is literally the most Rube Goldberg plan I think I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> that wasn't being played up for comic effect. I mean, this takes again with a Scooby Doo analogy. This takes a this takes a Fred trap and just makes it look simple and logical. <laughs> you know, you know, I love how you're trying to critique something I love. With another thing that I love, as if it's gonna work. <laughs> Honestly, it's not. That's actually not my intent. Believe it or not, <laughs> so this is no. not a this is not a subtle debate tactic. This is just no, no. the analogies are appropriate. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know. I just, I just, I, I have to put that out there. You're, 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 criti you're using something I love to criticize something I love. It's, it, it's, I, I, I quite enjoy it. <laughs> good <laughs> but yeah I, I, that that whole plan i was like wow and it actually i hated it more i hated that more the second time around <laughs> like this doesn't make any sense why would this why would this be your spur of the moment plan to fight the dragon like don't you there, there's got to be some like good bunch of anti-dragon weapons or something that just didn't make it out of the hall or something no no your plan was to drop a statue a statue of gold on it hope that worked okay after after smog ch chases you around the mountain totally incompetently like the villain in a scooby-doo episode <laughs> where they're like running you know we're gonna run around this causeway and ah, just I, I saw that comparison coming and I was actually about to make that comparison myself and say I don't mind it because I find those chases hilarious. So <laughs> but the thing is it really shouldn't be hilarious. That's the thing. <laughs> that's that's the problem. It is it is cool though when Smaug um there's a scene, I don't know if it's in the non extended edition. Mm -hmm. Virgin, but um, there's a scene where Smaug is walking over them, and you see the bits of gold stuck in Smaug's scales. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Look at that. Uh, um, but little, little ahead of ourselves. Uh, I want to pull it back to Merkwood a little bit and just comment on that great scene where Bilbo flips out and kills that weird larva thing. And because uh, again, where where he realizes. He has this sudden moment of clarity where he realizes it's probably because of the ring. Yeah. I was like, because like, and it's like, wow, that was that was a good scene. That I was love a good that scene. scene, and I know, and I actually noticed that this this sec this last time around too, because it's like Bilbo throughout the whole thing is usually very careful of what he kills, and mm -hmm. in, that, in that scene, you know, he could just hide someplace till that thing goes away but no instead he decides to kill that thing because he wants the ring so bad he goes full-on berserker on it yeah he, As, he, goes, he goes full on golem yeah he pulls a guy he pulls a golem people yeah he did he did i mean there's you could definitely argue that it's too soon for him to be so negatively influenced by the ring and then if he realizes it's that bad why does he put his strength back in his pocket? You could, and, and there's things you could argue around around that. To be honest, no, see, but actually, the scene itself was very good. No, see, actually, I'd actually argue against that because if you think about it, the effects of the ring could be temporarily increased yep. because they're in Merkwood 
and Mark Wood is playing the what they might you see the how point? Yeah, that's know. actually that's actually a very fair point. I don't know if it's in the regular version, but you see in the extended edition, you know, how Mark Wood plays tricks with like Bobo's mind where like they're walking and then Yeah, that's in the that's in the theatrical and, and I actually I actually hated that. I, I hated the way they portrayed Mirkwood. You know, the way it's like exuding some sort of weird psychedelic gas or something. I don't know how you're supposed to take that. I don't, they were, I don't take it as a psychedelic thing. It's more so it just it, it plays tricks with your mind. Yeah, it's just the it way they it represented it. It, it. it it messes with your mind and turns you backwards and it, it all different ways because yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah, that's true, but fun. the way they did it, it was like they were being affected by something other than just the general crappiness of the forest. Mm. It was like it, it, they were stumbling around like they were high, essentially. <laughs> and not, 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 not happy high, more like very confused high. But anyway. <laughs> but yeah, but again, that, that one scene with the spider, and, and that is a good point, though. That is a very good point about since Mirkwood is kind of infused with this darkness emanating from Dol Guldor. Yeah, that is very reasonable, especially since at that point it is in relatively close proximity to Sauron himself. Its effects could definitely be pronounced. I think that I hadn't thought about that before. That's actually a very good point. Yeah. Um, because if you think about it, Thorn's pride gets more pronounced too, and some of the yeah. other characters' flaws get more pronounced mm -hmm. due to the surroundings. I'm curious, what did you make of when Thranduil does that weird thing where he shows Thorin some injuries, presumably from some dragon or another? No, on this last viewing, I, I actually I, I like it. But on this last viewing, it actually pops into my head. You don't really delve further into that and i'd be curious because it's like it's such a cool effect and it's like mm. yeah it's like what why happened? what it's... happened to Sandal to make him look like a demon dude like what happened well i'm wondering is like is that is that how he really looks and he's using some weird sort of uh i don't know, glamour for lack of a better term uh to so make himself look pretty or was he just using a glamour to show the damage that it had done and that he has since healed from? Not really clear. Yeah. It, it, the whole thing was just weird. I was like, what's going on with that? <laughs> I'm not totally fine with the fact that Thranduil hasn't always just sat around under the ground collect, you know, collecting trinkets and whatnot. That's fine. But, huh? Yeah, I guess it's sort of my uh, my question. And also, um, again, we're kind of I'm going I'm going backwards a little bit here, but the uh, the the whole barrel sequence that is a horrible trading river, horrible river <laughs> to send your trade goods down, because how any barrel could possibly make it through that, and it sure sure as hell ain't making it upstream. There's there's no way anything is getting upstream that at all. So, I mean, within the world of the movie, clearly there would have to be a path that this stuff is being brought to a Thranduil via wagon or some such. Because it ain't making it up that river. I don't care how many uh, 
Orman, you've got. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That that thing was set up like a ride at an amusement park. Dude, dude, that based on the behind the scenes filming, that was like a ride at an amusement park. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh yeah. Now. I really got annoyed by one particular scene when they got to the mountain. Oh, okay. I think I know what you're you know. Okay, you go ahead with it. I think you know what I'm going to say. No, no, you. you, you okay. Go they get. They finally get to the mountain. They go through all of this, fighting orcs, flying with eagles, uh, escaping from, it's escaping from the yells, getting out of Lake Town. All of this, fighting spiders. They get all the way up to the mountain. They get up to the, they get up to the door. They can't find the they can't find the keyhole. So they pound on the door for like a minute. But then they're like, well, that sucks. I guess it's time to leave. But okay, now really? Okay. You give up that easily? No, I... no, 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 no. Here's what I'm gonna have to say. I don't think it was actually for just a minute. I don't think it was actually for just a minute. I think they only showed you a, a snippet of how of what they were trying to do, which mm -hmm. is the thing movies tend to do. They're not going to show you the whole entire amount of time they spend trying to get in there because it's going to end up being boring because they're doing the same thing over and over again, which I think they did in this case. I don't think they literally tried for just a minute, minute and then gave up. <laughs> Right. Uh, this gets into a whole different thing of how the of the proper way to interpret a movie. And I understand there are different schools of thoughts. You're coming at it from the this was symbolic to a degree. Uh, I I I wouldn't use the word symbolic. I would I would use it more as a as a um how do I word it? They only show you a little bit of the time that passes. They don't show you the full. Right, right. And we're supposed we're meant to interpret that as this represents the struggle to get in the door, which was of a longer, indeterminate length of time than we're showing on screen. So because I can see that, but there's different way there's ways to do that to make it clear that that's what was happening. To me, it was clear. Because I see, I see it often in movies, and I, I don't know. For me, it was just a clear thing, especially knowing how Thorin is. There's see, that's no exactly way. it. Knowing how Thorin is, and like, is like they showed it. And again, they didn't give anything to show a passage of time at all. You know, if they had like done it where like show a shadow moving across the ground or something to to, show, to demonstrate the passage of time, it's like okay, that sun's moving along. Do you remember? I, I, I'm trying to remember. I believe there was something they did to show that, but I can't. No, because they got there. They, they got there just as the sun was setting, the last light of Durin's day. But don't forget, I was watching the extended edition too, so there could have been a small thing. Possibly. And if that's the case, then I would. If that's the case, if they did something like that, uh, to demonstrate the passive time, I will withdraw the criticism. Uh, See, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to remember because um, with with rewatching them, I think the second one there was something where something kept distracting me from. Okay, and yeah. in the uh, so in the theatrical though, 
So that's why my memory is so bad with the second movie, people. <laughs> that's, that's fine. Um, with the theatrical, though, there was nothing of the kind. In fact, it was clear that they were getting there with the last light of Duran's day. So there wouldn't have been the opportunity for there to be something like that to show the past to show the passage of time because there was very little time that could pass. So there's no way, actually, when I think of the dialogue, at least in the theatrical, that they would have been sitting there for like a couple of hours trying to get, get in. They had only minutes. No. So, yeah. And then Bilbo's the one who sticks around to go, hey, it meant the moonlight. Moonlight. That's the last light of Dern's Day. Yeah. Just the ease with which they appear, the apparent ease, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll say the apparent ease with which they gave up was just no. Okay. <laughs> you know, seeing that, I was like, this is not, no, they would, there's no way they would do that. But now this brings back what we were talking about with the Arkenstone. All of a sudden, Balan's bringing up the fact that the treasure could possibly be cursed or something to where there's a there's a sickness on it I'm like and of course that comes up more throughout the movie as thorin goes you know spirals downward the third one. what's that was that the second one or third one it's 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 brought up in both and my th thought is okay balan why weren't you bringing this up before you even started on this big long quest? If you were concerned about some horrible sickness being on the treasure, I mean, you could argue that he's just trying to find the silver lining. Like he wasn't hundred percent buying that, or at least he thought it was worth the risk. So now since they can't get in, maybe they're like, eh, you know, I guess since this is a danger, maybe it's for the best. You could make that argument, but still. He was probably hoping that based on how Thorne was before that Thorne wouldn't succumb to it. But then but then his faith in Thorne begins to dwindle as you know time goes on. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and give at least the first mention of it a little bit of a or at least not mentioning it before starting the quest. I'm gonna give it a little bit of a pass just based on the fact that maybe at that moment he's like, Yeah, you know what, since it was a risk. It's just better. I, I'm, I'm going to actually go ahead and be okay with that aspect, I think. But it still does get to, okay, is there a... Is the, is the treasure, in fact, cursed? Is... You know, they talk about dragon sickness repeatedly. Yeah. It's like, it's like, is that, like, a literal thing? Is that, like, what attracts... Is the dragon sickness what attracts the dragon? Is it made worse because the dragon's there? Is, is it, what exactly is that? Because honestly, you know what it reminds me of more than anything else? Uh, something in the Narnia books. I want to say it's Voyage of the Dawn Treader, where they come across a treasure that literally has a dragon sickness on it that if you fall under the spell, you will in fact turn into a dragon. <laughs> Yeah, and the way that whole concept was presented in Desolation and Battle, it reminds me of that more than anything. More than a, more than anything in Tolkien. 
in Tolkien, such things are, with rare exceptions like the ring, attributed to the simple greed and the effect it has on a person. Which is definitely the way that whole thing was portrayed in the book. That, yes, the pride and everything, you just became a greedy, arrogant a-hole yeah. <laughs> if, if you have too much treasure. This one is like, it literally is changing a changing the person and literally making them go crazy yeah. until Thorne has his uh, melty gold moment and kind of comes back to his senses. <laughs> Which I believe that was battle. Yeah. Which we should probably move on to. We should probably move on to, yes. I think we're, we seem to be taking longer as we go. <laughs> okay. So battle. And yeah, I didn't really have much else to say uh, other than um, the uh, this Smaug's little pep talk to himself at the end. <laughs> I was like, really? You're, you're giving a dramatic speech to yourself <laughs> as you're as you're flying out. I'm like, <clears throat> I get that you're I get that you're narcissistic and all that, but really? I want to say no and it's all bunk, but considering I know that considering how well I know certain self-help things, yeah. Also, again, it's just, so, it's just really also, cringy. Also, need I remind you again how Thorin was behaving in, with Thranduil when they first got caught. He was talking as if there was an entire audience listening to him, when really it was just. But he audience. was at least talking to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was another person there who could hear. <laughs> Smog is literally giving him is literally reciting his press. As he's flying out to the story lake down, reciting it to himself. <laughs> I just I wrote this little ditty about myself and I just really like it. I'm gonna give myself some positive affirmations as I go to burn the town. <laughs> instead of instead, incidentally, of sticking around to finish off the dwarves, which is what he should have done. <laughs> it's like they just almost took you down, pal. You really want to fly out, take out the town, and give them time to come up with an actual good plan? How is this a good idea? <laughs> I'm willing to bet that if you give them a couple hours, since they almost took you down with the melting with, with the melting statue idea, I'm willing to bet they could Rube Goldberg up something a lot better than that. In fact, give them an hour. I'm willing to bet they could come up with some black arrows because there's more than a little bit of iron around there. <laughs> I I, are, are you ready for the third movie? <laughs> yes. Um, okay. <sighs> Sorry. I just, I really had to get that out. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Stupidity anyway. of characters really bothers me. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but the third movie, okay. You're, you're Prepare yourself because you're going to be shocked. Okay. Movie. <clears throat> I actually have more criticism than uh, um, praises for the third movie. Okay, go for it. 
<laughs> if you, feel uh, free to include praises too. This does not need to be just me bashing on. on no, 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 no. no. I, I, I'm just, I'm just, I, 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 I'm telling you because it's like, I, 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 I wasn't really thinking I'd come into this defending the whole entire thing, and it, and I was like, okay, third one, I have more critiques for you. Do praises? Yeah. Anyway, so <clears throat> main <laughs> main criticisms. First one. I don't have a problem with the limited amount of time they gave to Smaug destroying Lake Town. I just think it wasn't utilized well. Okay, how so? That's the that's the thing. I'm not I'm not I'm not quite sure what it is. It's it's the same thing with the gradual with the tonal thing. They do it gradually, but there's still something missing that's not like it's not pulled off. The only thing I can think of with with um the whole smog attacking Lake Town and why it wasn't properly utilized with the limited time they gave her because I think with the limited time they gave her they it could have still been fantastic but I don't think they made it as I don't want to say scared it wasn't as full attention as I think it should have been or or like horrific or or scary like it should have been like there there was just something where something was just missing from it well you know and, and i think I part of that might have been the whole comedic aspect they were going with the mayor and alfred they kept oh. offsetting it with with that dude i okay i actually have it in my notes with with the choking of the mayor it's it's something I would expect to see in Game of Thrones, and I haven't wa seen Game of Thrones, but it's like I I didn't think that the first time I saw the movie or the past few times I saw, but this last time watching it again, it's like okay, this mayor death, it really it's, this is so Game of Thrones. That was pretty. That, that that was that was pretty harsh the way that went down. Yeah, but it was also it, it was also clever. I mean, good on good on Bard for making use of what was available. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, so that that I I have there's my critique of that. Um, what else was there? The 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 whole the whole fighting, the whole battle. It just okay. I'm going to come out here and say I think Thorne's cousin was a mistake. Okay. <laughs> like, like, okay, not his character, but the way they did his character. Because, like, it just... It's fine making him crazier than Thorne, so you can have Gandalf be like, I always found Thorne to be more reasonable. But it just... I can't... I can't, I can't take him seriously. You can't even... I can't, I can't, I, I, I can't even, I can't, I, I take tremors more seriously. Well, it's funny the that you bring up tremors. I take tremors that come in more seriously, and I can't unthink of tremors every time I see the wereworms. Yeah, it's kind of unavoidable that, okay, anyone who sees that is going to think, oh, look, Middle-earth graboids, or... <laughs> Where, where worms? Okay. 
or they're or they're, or they're thinking, oh, um, so is this actually a secret Dune prequel? What's what's going on? I don't know. What? <laughs> Why? Uh, oh. Uh, oh, and Philly. Philly was so underutilized. In this yeah. yeah. Yeah, especially since Philly and Philly are twins. It's like Philly is almost a non-character. Almost like, well, Legolas was a frequently appearing character, but he had like no personality in either movie. He just had that... He like had one expression throughout the whole thing. Now, part of that might have been the CGI de-aging they did in Orlando Bloom. Or maybe, you know, because it looked like they did that a little bit. It, he just he just had like the same kind of concern, kind of dopey expression the whole time. Like he was somewhere between concerned and angry the whole movie. <laughs> No, no. I feel like I feel like with the first two movies, you can you can kind of give a pass for Philly not really be, being yeah. used for. But with the third one, it is so obvious. Like, dude, you should have used Philly. If they would have used, it would have made sense to use Philly more because either either one, you could have Philly start kind of, you know. Dealing with the same stuff Thorin is, but on a much lesser scale. Or you could, or you could do this thing where it's a foreshadowing of like, okay, Thorin was, um, kind of worried of how his father was becoming with all the good gold, mm-hmm. gold. Now you could have it to where Thorin's the new king, and now Philly's in Thorin's shoes. Oh yeah, that would have, that actually would have been good, dude. Or at least, gosh, do something with Feely, because I should have cared more when he died. Right, and I should, it yeah. bugged me out so much because actually, Philly was always one of my favorite dwarves. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like he was my favorite dwarf before Thorin. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Fun fact, but it's like, <laughs> and it's like. I do like that they also kind of have Bilbo in Thorne's shoes too, prior to Thorne becoming mad. Right. Uh, but I feel like they could have kept that spot at the same time, playing Philly in that same position too. But right. they, they gave that, they had Killy more so standing up to Thorne. It's kind of like, yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's just. Just right? to give, just okay, to give okay. Philly something more to do. Okay. You know, that scene. This is just a personal thing, not the movie scene. I, 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 or it could, I don't know. But um, that scene where Thorne gets out of his madness and he arrives because he's about to, you know, do his thing of, like, will, will you uh, follow me one last time, whatever, which is an awesome moment. But for some reason, Killy yelling at him as he's walking up just feels off. I don't yeah, because it's like, because it's too late. Because <laughs> it's like, dude. Really? You've been holding us in that, that long? And now you're giving the speech? Guess what? He's fine now. Yeah. 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 I won't sit here and let others fight our battles for us one minute longer because I've been doing it for a while already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, I think that's pretty much the extent of my criticism, not my praises. Like like I said, the whole the character arcs of Bilbo and especially Thorin are the saving graces and the best parts 
of the third movie. Mm -hmm. And, you know, his descent into madness and just seeing the dynamic between him and Bilbo, because, like, Bilbo, in a way, is, like, his last piece of humanity. And when Thorne Thorne goes to throw Bilbo off the ledge, that's, like, Thorne throwing away his last bit of humanity. Mm-hmm. And it just it's, it's those arcs are just so well done in this movie and they outshine everything else. And and don't don't even get me started on Thorne's death. That was really good. Uh, honestly, out of the entire movie trilogy, that may be my all time favorite scene. Uh yeah, that was a very, very, very good scene. The death of of thorn and his reconciliation with bilbo that was beautifully done beautifully yeah. acted by both and yeah, I the armitage and freeman for that yeah yeah they really did a great they both did a great job with that and that is one of the more redeeming qualities of the of the movie and the trilogy as a whole as as you point out it's it's it, it, it honestly it's, it's such a brilliant the whole Thorn battling Azog, and but especially the death. It's just it's the most brilliant, the best. Yeah, the best. yeah that was good. I actually <laughs> kind of I, I really enjoyed the way that uh, Thorin got him down under the ice. I was like, <laughs> that's that was clever. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Yeah. I I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um. But so yeah, I mean that's that's definitely good. Uh, the whole overall battle, yeah, there was a lot going on there that didn't make a ton of sense. One is okay. They they, they use a lot of semaphores and everything to direct uh, to direct the course of the battle. That makes sense. But really, from that far away, who? Which, which of the orcs down there, whose job is it to like just kind of watch and wait for the signal to turn right or left? <laughs> I'm like, who's? I don't know if that's really going to work in that scenario. Oh, you didn't? You haven't even seen how Alpha dies. What's that? You haven't even seen how Alpha dies. Because I oh, think. Is that, is that in the extended? Yeah, he dies in the extended. Oh, well, that's okay. Because. Gosh, I hated him. <laughs> yeah, but but you can see the way he dies. You you would you would mock the heck out of it. That's entirely possible. But the uh, so so I guess I'd be happy that he dies because he, he oh, was just oh, horrible oh, human being. Oh no, same. I'm 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 happy he dies, but at the same time, I even mocked how he dies because it's like okay, but it's, that was that was the one time I actually caught out physics. <laughs> How do they do it? I'm curious. Um, Gandalf is going up against this giant troll, and he's trying to get his um, staff to work, and it's just not working. And Alfred and his woman get up full of coins and whatnot is hiding out on 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 this um catapult thing, and he's hiding out on it, and he's peeking out to see what's going on, and then a coin falls out of the breast of his costume and then lands on the little little oh, lever here's, that... here's the thing the coin is not anywhere near heavy enough for it to drop 
It was, it was on a hair trigger, I guess. No, 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 because here's the thing. Okay, okay, now this is the one <laughs> This is the one moment of physics that actually gets me heated up like like all the other ones have been getting you heat up. Okay. It falls, it spins, like like it's 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 preparing the, the, the land flat. It lands flat. So the level's not moving at all, and then suddenly it just drops, and then and then Alfred launches off into the the troll's mouth, and the troll chokes us. <laughs> yeah, you're right. There's no way I wouldn't let that slide. <laughs> There's no way on this earth. You know, if I can't even let it slide. You know for sure you couldn't let. Oh, there's no way. There is no way that, yeah. that I probably would have brought that up a while ago. Actually, <laughs> yeah, there's just there's just no way. Oh, that's that's and and Biffer losing his axe are the two most ridiculous parts of the battle, in my opinion, because it's like the most ridiculous part of the battle, other than the werewolves. Which again open up the tunnels and then they just—I mean, clearly they're under pretty direct control—and then they just go back under the ground instead of like, "Hey, how about you go ahead and just like dig underneath where the whole dwarf and elf armies are?" <laughs> yeah. Just as a thought. I mean, if they're here, you know, while you guys are here, you want to just nibble on a little bit more rock and take care of this problem for us? That'd be great. Thanks. Thanks. Love you. Bye. And anyway. <laughs> Okay, so other than that, okay, so the dwarves, you know, they formed their very impressive looking shield wall. I was like, that's that's pretty badass. Good job, dwarves. And then the elves decide to help them. And the first thing the elves do is jump right past that awesome defensive shield wall. <laughs> Grant you, it's a cool looking scene, but uh, it's pretty tactically dumb. What you should be doing is standing behind that shield wall and just, I mean, you could have gotten still a pretty cool scene with like a freaking sky full of arrows coming over the dwarves and just like obliterating a ton of the, a ton of the orcs. Now, now see. This is a suggestion. <laughs> now see, considering I've seen, I've seen the other two I've mentioned, I, that, that. I, I honestly, I can't roll my eyes at that because it's, it's I, I've seen more. I, I roll worthy stuff in the battle. I mean, don't. This isn't like this isn't like a physics thing, though. It's like a tactics thing. It's like True. that's just stupid. Again, characters be characters doing dumb things that they should know better than to do really bothers me. Yeah, it's like it's like no, dude, stay behind there, just shoot arrows, just. You get. We know you guys are freaking magicians with a freaking bow and arrow. Use it, people. Yeah. But man, they didn't do that. Oh well, I guess. And then there's that whole thing where Azog's like, "Oh, they can't fight on two fronts." So instead of sending this other giant army that just showed up from Gundabad into their flank, I'm gonna send them into the city. <clears throat> now. There, I mean, there is an argument to be made that, okay, it's reasonable to assume that, like, the women and kids and everything, they're in Dale. So if I go and attack there and threaten them, 
um, some significant portion or portion of the army is going to get drawn off into there to go to go and try to fight that battle. There's a, there is a legitimate argument to be made there, but still, if there are any defenders left in the city, you're going and you're actually attacking a potentially fortified position. When you know with ramparts and gates and everything that you got to get through. When instead, you could just crash into the army's flank and cut and catch him in between your two forces. That seems much simpler to me. Just, eh. <laughs> is what is just one of those things where I'm like, you're, you're doing this the hard way. There's, um, there's such an easier way to go about this. <laughs> But then you would have gotten a replay of the uh, of the battle in Minas Tirith. You wouldn't have you wouldn't have gotten you would have gotten a shout out back to that, I guess. Hmm. <laughs> and then of course you know and we were talking about some of the other uh, silly aspects that go on in the battle, and really that's what this one, a lot of this one is, other than. You know, showing the ones descent to Madness, which I agree is done really well. Although there are, as we were discussing before this, a couple of hammier elements to it. Uh, disagree. Uh, um, the the melt the gold melting. I agree, is a little. Uh, but but Thorn kind of turning into smog. I would disagree. Okay, now we we, we got to talk about what you mean by that because we were discussing this before before we went live. And I was kind of talking about the whole thing where Thorne's like, not one single coin was just really overacted and kind of hammy. And a, a flaw in an otherwise pretty good performance. But you had actually kind of an interesting take on it. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it, that's not the first time they do it either. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember the other moments other than the one right before that. But um, yeah. You can you can tell. I mean, obviously, Armitage had to say the line slower anyway to kind of get that effect too. But mm -hmm. you can tell with the with what they do to the music. But they also not just Thorn talking, but everything slows down. So like the dwarves walking too, it slows mm -hmm. down. It's like yeah. Thorn's voice gets deeper and kind of it starts morphing into how. Smaug sounded right. if you really pay attention to it and um that's not the first time they do it too it's um if you also pay attention to armitage's facial expressions too like um like right before that happens he's talking to bilbo and um you know i'm trying to remember what thorne's saying he, he's saying something more like how thorne would say it but then when it gets to that more paranoid greedy aspect Mm -hmm. He kind of his head lowers. He looks he looks more, um, yeah. at, like it just his facial expression changes, and then like his the way he talks changes too, and he speaks more and sounds more like Smaug. And I want to say there was a, there was another instance prior to that too. It just there's moments where they emphasize. They try try and show Thorn slowly turning into the monster Smaug was. Yeah, I, I think that's yeah, I think that's actually uh probably a pretty good read on it. I still think it came off pretty hokey, but 
I think you're probably right as far as what they were going for with it. And it, 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 there's a tiny bit of it that is somewhat odd, but for me, for the most part, I just, I love it so much because it's, it's part of the no. descent. It's, it's, I, can, and I, can, I can, and I can, I can legitimately see that when you brought that up, I was like, ah, okay, okay. Still odd, but okay. And then, uh, Although that gets right into exactly what do they mean when they talk about a sickness being on the treasure? You know, whether it is a legitimate curse or is it just greed is turning him is turning him into paranoid or into this paranoid monster? Is it going to turn him into a dragon? I'll, you know, <laughs> I, I, still stand I don't. I don't think that. That's just one could be forgiven for thinking so. I still stand by the whole. Um, like Arkenstone being a more metaphorical thing, but the way the dwarves interpret it is a literal thing. Okay. Because again, it's something we've seen throughout history where an object, there, or there's something consistent that tends to cause something to regularly happen and people tend to turn it into like a right, uh, right. magical thing right. or whatnot. <laughs> but now one, one part of, the thing with Thorin that we both agree was hokey. <laughs> that even the man himself agrees is maybe a little hokey was oh, yeah. conversation with Bard. Uh, they were talking to each other through the hole in the wall. And then at the end of it, Thorin does this thing where he like slides out of the way. <laughs> it's like, what was that? <laughs> That was the strangest oh. looking thing. <laughs> awkward slide. <laughs> yeah, it's like an awkward slide. <laughs> it's like, dude, that's what was? God, that was so weird. That's that's exactly what they call it in the um, how it should have ended uh, uh, animated video. They're like, yeah. like they just they just have like Thor and Catholic sliding in and out and Bard's like, what, will you stop that? And, and, and they actually have Thor and say, awkward. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, yeah. And, then, like, and then like you mentioned, Armitage himself tweeted it out and was making a joke of the awkward. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I mean, yeah. I, right then Bard should have been like, well, this dwarf ain't got all his marbles. <laughs> we're we're definitely gonna have a problem because this guy was ever on a rocker, he's off it now. Yeah. That's it. That rocker is gone. <laughs> yeah. So and and really I think that oh yeah, 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 yeah. There was that whole thing where they talk about like the whole point of the strategy of of taking on of the uh, 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 sorry Sauron's strategy of taking on the, wanting to capture the Lonely Mountain and everything, and the whole thing is it's the key to you know control of the Lonely Mountain is key to reopening Angmar and everything. I'm like, wait a minute, when Legolas and Tariel went on their pointless side quest to Gundabad, didn't it, and I say it's pointless because. They didn't get back really get back in time to warn anybody in time for anything to happen. There was a little bit, but it would their warning wasn't significant. Anyway, yeah. To be fair, no, that could be argued 
never mind. I withdraw that. Anyway, it's still still a freaking annoying side quest. They go to good to bed and they're like, what's beyond good to bed? Oh yeah, Angmar. So good to bed is between the Lonely Mountain and Angmar. Um, why do you need the Lonely Mountain to reestablish Angmar again? Why? Because you've got a freaking orc stronghold in between already. Hmm. Your words don't make any sense at all. <laughs> no, is it? Could you argue that it's a key to controlling the North as a whole? Yes, you can. You can definitely make that. Uh, but you can, def you can definitely make that argument. But specifically Angmar? No, that doesn't work at all. It's downright silly. You guys already got to control it. And then, of course, we get to the Battle of Dolgaldur. Where, you know, which happens, of course, much earlier. Where everybody shows up Avenger-style to rescue Gandalf. <laughs> Avenger. So many issues with that with that battle sequence. But your thoughts? I don't. I don't really have much thoughts on it, other than it happened in the movies, and I I'm fine with it. I mean, okay. I'm now, really bad one way or another. I um kind of bummed Gandalf couldn't fight, but uh, I, oh, I was also kind of shocked at how. How much Sauron was, but wait, no, Saruman, my bad. Yeah. She was like, like he, he came in there as if he were almost Legolas in a way. It's like, he did. Like, do you require assistance, my lady? <laughs> yeah, she kind of does. Stop posturing. Let's get to it. <laughs> but yeah, I don't really have. Yeah, see, I'm not sure why the Nazgul were there at all. I don't like how they were portrayed so differently than they were in the Lord of the Rings movies. Especially how they were clearly so much more powerful here than than they were in in the in the Lord of the Rings movies. Because in that one, on top of Weathertop, Aragorn literally fights off all of them. And here it's like, no, they this collection of you know super wizards and elves i mean they gotta work for it pretty hard before they actually before they actually uh, sufficiently chase them all off which not sure exactly how it is they chase them off since they're just kind of blink in and out a lot anyway since they're wraiths they're not physical it's strange but and it's also not really clear why Galadriel suddenly like can't stand. I think you can argue that she gave some power to Gandalf to help heal him a little bit, but she seems to flake out pretty quickly without a whole lot of reason. Also, um, you guys all could, you know, Elrond and Galadriel both command substantial armies. Why did they show up on their own? <laughs> why didn't they? Why didn't they bring uh, bring an army with them? Now, from a filming standpoint, I can understand the reason for that because you don't want too many massive armies running around in the same movie, fighting at different places. I can understand that, but 
it's still in context, it's hard to understand exactly why not, or at least bring a contingent along with you. And then the thing that really annoys me about this, Galadriel. Why did she, why, why did they bring back um, scary Galadriel from the Lord of the Rings movies? The one who was like, this is what I would look like. This is what would happen if I were to take the ring and claim it for myself. They brought that version of Galadriel back to beat off Saruman. I mean, Sauron. And they actually upped the ante. She didn't just look um, kind of green, scary, but beautiful and terrible as the dawn. She looked like something that climbed out of Davy Jones's locker. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was such a horrible choice, incon inconsistent with the movies that had come before, too. Because it's like, no, this is a representation of evil Galadriel. Like what Galadriel would look like if she claimed the ring for herself and fell under it, uh, under its you know corrosive spell, if she became the new Dark Lord. So why does she have to go new dark, go new Dark Lord, to take down the actual Dark Lord? <laughs> this makes no sense at all. This actually completely subverts everything they've done with the character of Galadriel, and actually subverts much of the whole worldview of the films. Because it's actually saying, nope, go evil to defeat evil. That's the only way you'll get enough power to take down the bad guy, which is utterly contrary, not just to Tolkien and his works and his whole worldview, but to the way they've actually successfully portrayed that worldview for the most part in the movies. It's like, that was, honestly, that may be the single worst thing they've done out of all six movies is... Going evil is going evil version of Galadriel to chase off Sar to chase off Sauron. It's like because it's it's so utterly contrary to everything out of all six movies. Yeah. Now, now might be the bad time to say I actually thought that part was kind of cool. <laughs> Some people did because oh Galadriel just opened up a can. Okay, yeah, she did, but look at the symbolism of everything of what was going on, how she opened up said can. <laughs> and again, compare and contrast with, with 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 her showing that version of herself in the Lord of the Rings movies. To be fair. I don't remember that from the Lord of the Rings movies, and I don't remember how she opened up that can of burps. <laughs> <laughs> well, she never opened up a can in um, in Fellowship. She just she just um, shows us like this is the it, it's that scene in Lothlorien where uh, you know Fro Frodo looks and she yeah, Frodo and Sam they look into. Uh, her mirror, the Galadriel's mirror. She pours the water into the thing. And I, no, I remember that scene. I just don't remember seeing evil Galadriel. Okay, yeah. It, Frodo's like, here, why don't you take it? She's like, you offer it to me freely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, if I were to take it, you know, so on and so forth. That you know, instead of a dark lord, you would have a you would have a queen. <clears throat> and goes on this whole little monologue about. What it would be like if she were to, you know, take the ring that Frodo's freely offering. 
and it, she gets that gets all like green dark and green and and scary looking and that's they were calling back to that at Dol Goldor and it's like no no that is literally the worst filmmaking decision they could possibly have made out of that whole thing it's like let's let, let's uh, other than actually it almost would have worked better if they made Sar Saruman the one who drove off Sauron in a way because <laughs> it, it could have been like you know this was the plan all along that you know if the White Council showed up he would just be at a hasty retreat which is kind of the way again it's portrayed in the book that like he didn't really run it was a feint <laughs> it was like it's like nah, I'm not, I'm not I don't I don't need the big fight right now I'm gonna go I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and withdraw and let them think I'm I'm defeated. <laughs> is is the way it's portrayed in the book, but and they could have done that in the movie too, but they didn't. They made it look like Galadriel really did successfully chase him off <laughs> uh, of totally of her own power by going evil. Again, completely and utterly contrary to the worldview of of all of all the movies it just does not fit it is a it, they are trying to put a square peg in a round hole there and yeah i think i'm pretty much tapped out yeah <laughs> i was happy to see uh i was happy to see bilbo going back home to our uh, big end and seeing the auction yes <laughs> I, I was oh. quite happy they included that um, in the extended edition, they actually, um, before Bilbo goes home, they actually show the, um, I don't know if it's in the theatrical one, but they actually show the funeral of the three doors. Oh, that would have been awesome. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think that was in the theatrical and the theatrical, he actually leaves before the funeral and that's about it. It's, it's so sad because like Bilbo's there and all the dwarves are there and they're walking around like because they have the dwarves laid down on these um concrete slabs to you know and you know they're all walking around and they're all crying bilbo's especially like breaking down when he's next to the store i oh, see i would have liked to have seen that i i wish they would i wish that would have been in the, in the theatrical i really do I'll, I'll find the scene for you on youtube and, and send it to you okay so sad it, it's <sighs> And then, and then, uh, and then the dwarves bid farewell to Bilbo. <laughs> it's so bad. It is. It is. And for for those who are watching, the reason I'm laughing right now is because Crystal said she wasn't going to cry on the podcast. I'm not going to. She's cry. fighting it. She's fighting it. You can tell. <laughs> no shame. No shame. Because uh, I I I will own that with the thorn death scene. It's like, yeah, you get, get a little watery. I'm a, I am a total sucker for scenes like that. I'm not going to lie. You get scenes like that, like, you know, the, the, the dramatic death scene, like with, with Thorne and Bilbo, or anything like where it's some small ba band of people going up against impossible odds. You got me. I am, I am putty in your hands. <laughs> Sense so perfectly the performance, the monologue, the 
Bobo trying to have Thorne see the Eagles coming in and because he doesn't want to admit that Thorne's <laughs> fight it, girl. Fight it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, 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 I really, I, I, I'd be losing if you had this song from the end credits playing. Cause oh man, that song gets me every time. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm not gonna do that to you. Good. Or else I'll find you. I'll hunt you down. <laughs> <laughs> It wouldn't be hard. You already know at least what side of the state I live on. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I do. Yeah, uh, maybe I shouldn't have reminded you of that. Anyway. You probably should tell the devil that. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So that pretty much, I think, brings us brings us to the end. Uh, final thoughts. There uh, clearly there were a lot of things I did not like in these movies, and at the end, I don't think they measure up. Um, as I said, this is only the second time I've watched them, and I've watched the Lord of the Rings movies numerous times. So, yeah, they didn't... To me, they didn't measure up. They... It was... I'm not sure exactly all the reasons why. I think part of it might have just been... I, I think it's very clear, actually, that Peter Jackson's heart wasn't really in it the way it was with the Lord of the Rings movies. He sort of just accepted it as his duty. <laughs> when Guillermo del Toro dropped out, it's kind of, it's kind of like Warner Brothers came to him and was like, would, would you please? Pretty please? We'll give you money. <laughs> he said, fine. <laughs> and just took it on and, and rolled with it on a much tighter deadline than he had originally had. So, yeah, just not up to snuff, not something that I have ever really felt a great desire to watch again until we decided we were going to have this debate. Uh, again, I will freely acknowledge there is much that is good in them. Performances are, by and large, very good. My issue is with a lot of the narrative choices, a lot of choices of the director and, and, and the writers and a lot of things that didn't make sense. It isn't even so much changes from the book, though I admit, against still, my opinion is softened a little bit on the second viewing, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> believe it or not, I actually hate hate them less. <laughs> but I'm still not, I still would not count myself a fan, even granting that the first one is all right on its own. Your final thoughts? Well, actually, first, it's actually the reverse for me. I've seen the Lord of the Rings movies twice. Okay. And I have it multiple times. Okay. Yeah, yeah um, Lucas in the chat likes to give me crap because I love the I love the side story more than the main story. It, it they're their own stories, first off. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um no, uh, I mean this past time watching them again i've you know gotten a clearer idea of where they really falter but for me it's the the good still the way to bad i still think the first the very first one's a masterpiece i mean it, 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 it's 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 perfectly imperfect it, it's my favorite um, perfectly, 
perfectly imperfect. Oh my gosh, that's <sighs> okay. <laughs> I'm just gonna let that go without any further comment. <laughs> that's the best way I can word it right now without it being a long, drawn out sentence. Anyway, <laughs> first one, my favorite, perfect. Uh, next to they, they falter more. Um, but you know, I I still I still believe and hold true that um the main thing that is strong in all three of them is the character arcs, especially mm. Thorns and Bilbo's. Um Yeah. That's pretty much brilliant performances. That Thorns death is the probably the best scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so there's echo. Huh. Anyway, um, so there you have it, folks. Um, we've gone a little back and forth. I think uh, Crystal definitely gave some good interpretations that helped me see a couple scenes a little bit differently. That you know, it's, they, they, they do soften my opinion just a little bit. Where it's like, okay, I can at least see where you're coming from. I don't know if I agree, but okay, it's defensible. Certain choices here and there. Same for Ginger with me. <laughs> yes, my uh, my cinema sins level of nitpickiness. Because as uh, I told you, I am that guy. Dude, uh, dude, you keep this up. I'm just gonna have to start calling you Jeremy, and I really don't want to do that. <laughs> well, we probably won't have too many more movie debates. So, because <laughs> yeah, I am. I I used to be the guy that no one wanted to watch a movie with. Because I would do it while I was watching the movie. Uh, like, That's stupid. That doesn't work. Why are you doing this? I was that person. I learned to tone it down. I learned to wait until after the movie at the very least. So after a movie, you might have to listen to a half-hour rant about said movie. But at <laughs> least I don't ruin it while you're watching it. Yeah. Well, in this case, we went on for three hours. One hour per movie. We did. That was... Completely unintended. I actually thought we would get through the whole thing in an hour, to be honest. Uh, I have my doubts. Well, like, no, your doubts were well founded. <laughs> like, like, like half an hour in, I start thinking, you know, Ginger just keeps coming up with more criticisms, even though he keeps saying he doesn't have many left. I don't think we're gonna get this done. <laughs> That is entirely accurate. Yeah, I didn't even realize how much time had passed until I noticed. It's like, oh my gosh, we're like forty-five minutes in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, and I've, by golly, I've, I've barely scratched the surface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was just so funny because it's like, it, I, I only really have this one real criticism, and then you finish that criticism, and then, and then it's like, and then I just start thinking I, I of more. I only really have three criticisms, but it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's odd because like I said um, my criticisms with the first one while apparently more numerous than I thought are relatively speaking nitpicks yeah as opposed to just all of the various dumb things that almost every character is doing throughout the, throughout the other two movies or just things that don't make sense things that are flat out annoying. I'm like, oh gosh, I didn't even get to the whole Thranduil banishing Atariel thing. Yeah, she like, uh, she, her, her and Thranduil have an argument, and she takes off for for a little, you know, go blow off steam. 
out, out in the out in the forest. And then, you know, for for other re for other reasons, Thranduil is like you know, bar the doors, seal the gates, yada yada yada. Um, you know, we're going in a full on isolation mode here. And Tardil's already gone. Legolas goes after. Her. And that's when they get to Lake Town and everything and wade through the army of orcs. But and then in Battle of Five Armies, it's like, no, no. Yeah. You're banished. Why? She didn't know about that order. She was already gone. <laughs> she didn't disobey an order. <laughs> she was already out the door, people. That was just dumb. And there, there were other things with Thranduil and everything. It was like, why did he decide he's gonna leave the battle? What does he think is gonna be accomplished? And why is he so obsessed with that necklace? I can understand why he's pissed. That, that Thor withheld it from him. I, I can understand that. But what is it? Why is it so... Maybe that's the elf version of an Arkenstone. Because well, in ways, Strandall does exhibit the same behavior as Aston, except not as extreme. Now, there could be a reason for that. If that necklace was the Nauglibir, which was a necklace that the dwarves made for, for a Thingol, who was a this is Silmarillion material. And Thranduil and Thingol are very much the same. <laughs> there are a lot of parallels between uh, between those two characters, including kind of an obsession with treasure, including having an underground kingdom, so on and so forth. And how, although Thranduil's trajectory winds up being the opposite of Thingol's. Thingol becomes a bigger jerk with time. And the dwarves made that made that necklace for him, embedding a Silmaril in it. A Silmaril is uh, one of three, uh, let's just call them magical jewels made by Feanor, the well, one of the original elves, and he's essentially he's essentially the biggest, smartest, strongest, biggest badass that ever there was and he was also a raging dick <laughs> uh but that's that's beside the point now what's interesting about that in relation to this for a while in the early drafts the arkansone was a silmaril mm. now the way it shook out in the end no it was just a big shiny rock but that's one of the things that had people who are familiar with the silmarillion and everything it's really scratching their heads with the movie protect with the movie's portrayal of the Arkenstone. Because with the light and everything, anyone who's familiar with the Silmarillion was thinking Silmaril. Anyone who's anyone who's read that should have been thinking, wait a minute, is that where they're going with this in the movie? Are they making the Arkenstone a Silmaril? And that again, that gets into the whole thing of how certain people would have been looking at the interpretation of it and i am fully certain that jackson and and um philip boyens if i protect uh pronounce the name correctly and the other writer of the big three i can't remember who it is um i know they're fully aware of that i'm positive they are fully aware that tolkien was considering making the arkansas a summer at some point in time and they intentionally went that direction with it so it's it made the interpretation probably harder for someone who's familiar with tolkien than it did for someone who isn't 
just knowing what they're doing with it. So anyway, that, that's a bit of an aside and it does show a direction that they could have gone that they didn't, that they almost went, but chose not to. Yeah, and they actually, they gave a name to that necklace in the movies. I can't remember what it is, but it wasn't the Nauglinir, which I was really hoping that they would go that route, at least called that the Nauglinir, because it had gotten remade. Initially, the dwarves just made it. It was just an awesome, shiny necklace. But when Thingol found himself in possession of the Silmaril, he had them remake it with the Silmaril embedded in it. They could have just gone... This is the version San Silmaril or something like that. But whatever. Um, again, that, that's a bit of a tangent here. <laughs> <laughs> that is just, kind of, again, illustrates certain things that they could have done, that they hinted at, but weren't really capitalized on. That I think had it been capitalized on or not done at all. Again, kind of like Bjorn. He's sort of the Tom Bombadil of the hobbit like you could have just cut him out and it wouldn't really have mattered much <laughs> to the to the overall story so anyway uh with that with that tangent i think we can call it wrapped up um you've got both of our thoughts on the films uh decide for yourselves people go back and rewatch it if you need to and uh, let us know what your thoughts. Hobbit movies, good or bad? Leave it in the comments. Send it on Twitter. Go ahead and, you know what, if you've got some more in-depth thoughts that are more than 280 characters long, feel free to email us at fightingvoid at, um, fightingvoid at gmail.com. And, of course, you can tweet us at fightingvoid on the Twitters. And, of course, find us on the YouTube as well. So, Go ahead, and um, Crystal, do you have any final thoughts? I already said my piece. You have said your piece, and you've got your uh, your locked necklace, so when you come up to the dwarf door, you'll know to wait for the moonlight. Yep. <laughs> and I with my way twice. That's right. And with that, everybody, uh, thanks for tuning in, and keep fighting the good fight. We will see you next time.